And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Perhaps just I should say we're also not at the Omni from Atlanta, Georgia, either. Oh, and we're also this, not live. And, and, and the Sportatorium? We're not. No, we're not at the Sportatorium. We are not live. We are. This is simulation via the internet, as this is a podcast, and not just any podcast. This is get back to the wrestling. A finally, finally, a podcast talking about professional wrestling here on the internet. I am your co-host. Mr. Luke Giaconetti, you heard my two broadcast colleagues uh, hailing first from an undisclosed location, my brother, Jay Giaconetti. What's up? And my other broadcast colleague hailing from parts unknown. Oh, yeah. The hair metal hero, Chris Tyler. Oh, my God, I don't believe it. <laughs> sorry, Will sorry. You stop. Will you stop? Oh, my God, I don't believe it. <laughs> He's damn near broken in half. There we go. RoboCop <laughs> is ripping the door off the cage. <laughs> My God. 
Arn Anderson don't want to mess with RoboCop. It's like, how? I just, yeah, okay. But remember, wrestling back Wait. then was serious. Yeah. Wait, how about, how about Arn Anderson hopping out of the back when he's hot tied in his underwear? In his underwear. Uh, yeah. and, and you know, you know Arn's wife's home going, oh, Arn. Oh, Arn, what are you doing? We had that. His tri- like leopard print underwear. Leopard print. We had that triangle match, Tony. What was her name that time? What was what her was name? Uh, no comment. No comment. We had that triangle match, Tony. Tony, what was her name, Tony? Oh. Tony. The biscuits and gravy, Tony. Yeah. So, uh, oh, okay. Tony. Tony. Face of fire. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so we are, we're here on uh, Get Back to the Wrestling. And, uh, as I said, this is a podcast about professional wrestling. Now, unlike a lot of podcasts out there, we do not intend, uh, this podcast to be let's watch Raw and SmackDown, then talk about what just happened and predict what's going to happen next week. And then we can come back and say how wrong we were. You know, like a lot of shows on the Two True Freaks Network, we're more looking back into the hallowed antiquity as we look into the, the history and culture of professional wrestling and what made us to fans of professional wrestling from a young age straight on through today. And so we're going to be talking about all sorts of topics in the realm of professional wrestling, not just what's going on now, but things in the past. And we were kind of banding about ideas of what to do for this show when a couple of different topics came up, and one that came up that we all kind of uh, really latched onto and had a lot of good thoughts where we want to discuss one of the age-old topics the best singles wrestler never to hold a world title and uh we we had to put some limits on that because one you know uh if you get a bunch of like star trek or star wars fans together they'll start discussing minutia about things wrestling fans <laughs> are a million times worse without hyperbole <laughs> and those of you who maybe don't know a lot about professional wrestling i'm sorry that's all I'm going to say about that. Well, you'll learn it now. You're learning. <laughs> sit, what does Taz say? Sit under the learning tree. Get under the learning tree. Yeah. That's right. That's what Taz says. Get under the learning tree, son. So, so yeah. our thought was primarily, we were going to stick mostly to guys that worked in North America, so we didn't get into the whole Poru Ressa, uh, Japanese wrestling scene, which would be a show into and of itself. Yeah, and yeah. we wanted to focus on the major world titles from, you know, kind of the, the golden era of wrestling through today. So that, to me, meant... Uh, the WWF slash WWE world title and heavyweight title, now that they have two of them. Uh, the old NWA world title. The WCW world title, which was sort of, but not really, the successor to that. Uh, the AWA world title with a big asterisk next to it, because not everybody watched the AWA or had access to it. Uh, Jay and I did just because we would get it on ESPN. And mm-hmm. so we did watch the AWA, but not everybody necessarily had access to it. And there were guys that were champions in the AWA. I've got one on my alternate list who was a great champion in the AWA, but never held a top belt anywhere else. So uh, yeah, no. just going with those <laughs> as, as the main titles. So, um, And we, we talked about, so uh, you know, Jay, why don't you get us started? Well, who do you we're, think also, is, we're also going to include like the ECW world title. Oh yeah, title. ECW world title in there as well. That's right. Yeah, yeah, because because that's one of those that's one of those gray areas. Again, the ECW world title was defended around the world. In fact, it was defended in Japan several times. It was defended um, everywhere they went, uh, Canada stuff like that. Where the WWF, WWE world title, WWF at the time, maybe was defended in Canada once in a while, but it never left the continental United States. So, oh, and that was good. a world title, you know. I'm just saying, you know, so, um, okay. So let me get started here. So, uh, the couple, I have a, I had a whole bunch of names and we, you know, kind of were bantering about a uh, guy I want to bring up here. Uh, Ernie lad, uh, Ernie lad, the big cat. Um, you know, he's a hall of famer, uh, not only the pro wrestling hall of fame, he's also a hall of famer 
for uh, playing uh, defensive end for the San Diego Chargers. Um, I really think Ernie Ladd's big uh, – uh, the reason why he never won a world title is because he only wrestled part-time for a lot of his career when he was still playing pro ball. I mean, he was an all-pro pro football player who wrestled in the summertime. And the great thing about Ernie Ladd, and he might – Ernie Ladd's a guy who a lot of people kind of overlook, and he would make a list of, like, the, the best big men in the business because he could work. Um, he never needed the title. I think that's more why he never got it. You know what I'm saying? Like, even in a hot shot somewhere, he never needed a title on him to be a monster. He just was a monster. Yeah, and, and part of the thing with Ladd is that he mostly worked as a heel. You know, he, he yeah. I mean, I'm, he, I'm sure he got Babyface's reactions, especially, uh, um, <laughs> you know, if he was in San Diego. or, <laughs> or Well, that's why he didn't work there. He worked, right. he worked on the East Coast a lot. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and he was from Louisiana. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but Ladd mostly worked as a heel, and back then – you know, yes, you did have heels that, that won the world title and stuff, but uh, he was, uh, you know, he was not not working not working with, um, you know, wor- if you're working in the NWA, you had a shot at being a heel champion, you know. Yeah. But it did not not so much in the WWF. Well, know? that's and that's that, was... that speaks to the difference though too. Sorry, not to cut you off. No, what I'm right. saying, um, you needed a heel champion in the NWA because that champion toured the country, and. The problem with Ernie Ladd, and this is one of the reasons why Andre the Giant was, I mean, I know Andre technically won the belt for three minutes, but Andre the Giant was never a champion because the world champion had to go to every single town, in every single promotion, I should say every town, every single promotion, and wrestle their top champion, right? So, and he had to go there, and it wasn't like, oh my God, here comes a monster, and our champion can't beat him. He had to go sometimes in like like and like when at you know by cheating or like get his foot on the ropes or oh man if 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 he, if, if he would have had 10 more minutes our guy would have beat him they had it the world champion's job their job was to go to every single promotion and that that was part of the NWA and make the regional champion there look like he just didn't get it and man next time he comes around Next year when he's back, I know that Ted DiBiase will beat him, or I know that you know whoever will take the belt, and that's why guys like uh, Dory Funk Jr. held the belt so long. Yeah, Dory Funk Jr. made people look like I mean he looked made like a million bucks. And same thing with Harley Race. Harley, Harley Race is a tough yeah. son of a bitch. He is a tough son of a bitch, but he made people look good. And Flair was really good at that. You know, I'm sorry. Every time you bring up Harley Race, I think of the old shoot interview with Lex Luger. Well, uh, Lex, why yeah. don't you tell us about when you were working with Harley Race? How did that start? Well, I came into TV one week, and they said, Lex, you're going to work with Harley Race. So then I started working with Harley Race. The hero, you laugh. Anything to I add have, there, Lex? No. No, I think that's I it. have I have two different shooter reviews at Lex Luger. <laughs> I have one that was only released as an audio CD. It's a double-disc audio CD, and it's everything Luke just said was every single question. <laughs> Lex, how did you get this? Well, I went there, and they said, you're going to do this. <laughs> Okay, and then the second one was after Miss Elizabeth uh, had her untimely demise and stuff, and then he actually got into more some more stuff. He actually talked about actual things because he understood that he was allowed to kind of guess talk. But I don't know. Anyway, so but yeah, Big Cat Ernie Lad. Um, I don't think I think he. I don't. I mean, I would have loved to seen him in WE or WF. Excuse me. You know when Ernie Lad would have been great. Ernie Lad would have been a, a guy to take on like Hogan. He was kind of older at that time, I guess. I mean, Hogan was – I guess they could have fit. But I could have seen Ernie Ladd in the ring with, like, like even Bruno Sammartino. And, and I know they weren't going to lose the belt to him, but, man, he could probably make them look good because he was just so big. And, like, he wasn't big like Andre big. He wasn't big like like Haystack, you know, Haystack's Calhoun big. 
he just was a big dude who was dangerous. Eh, you know, I mean, just just a guy. I think I, I think I think he's kind of lost in history too a little bit because he was so good, but because he never was the you know the, the heavyweight champion of the world, people kind of sometimes think just forget about him. Yeah. Yeah, usually they talk about Lad when they talk about guys transitioning from football to wrestling is when they most of the time they'll make that connection. You know, uh, uh, Jim Ross or JBL would bring up Blake Cat or Lad, you know, something like that. So, yeah. but, Any uh, relation to Cheryl Lad? <laughs> uh, not quite. Now, now yeah. this is professional wrestling. They could be cousins. Yes. Oh, cousins, yes. <laughs> oh, at camp. Oh, okay. Every, everybody so. knows that. Once once you brought in like more like a couple of brothers, you got to get a cousin in there. <laughs> it's like the fam- like Flash Funk, not part of the famous Funk family from uh, Amarillo, Texas. Oh, well, really? Thank you very much, Jim. I didn't. We didn't realize that. Yeah, too cold. Scorpio wasn't that guy. <laughs> anyway, oh, sorry. Too cold. Too cold. The genitalactic freak. Um, yes. Uh, he get, smacked me with his dick. No. <laughs> I watch a lot of shoot interviews, yeah. and that's come up before. They're like, "Well, he came over the top, and he smacked me with his dick right in the face." And you're like, "What?" I, I guarantee. Yeah, do it well, especially him because supposedly he was carrying like like uh, like Jake the Snake had Damien in the bag. Well, uh, too cold <laughs> got in his pants. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh He's man! Like, Look at my anaconda. <laughs> Anyway, sorry. <laughs> wow. It's going to be that kind of show, folks. Yes. Uh, well, first guy I had on my list, one of the first ones I thought of, because sticking with the WWF, it was a guy that was long-tenured, and if you believe the stories, was lined up for a potential world title run, but Vince McMahon, as he is known to do, went in a different direction, and that is Tito Santana, known to a generation of fans as Chico Santana, despite it being a, you know something of an ethics lore. But, uh, hey, Jesse Ventura, so there you go. Um, <laughs> but uh, the thing with Santana I always liked about him is that, you know, it's, it's funny is that he always joked that he had kind of like the reverse Undertaker uh, streak because he always lost pretty much at WrestleMania. <laughs> In fact, you know, the only, I think the only WrestleMania match Tito won was the first match at WrestleMania, um, the very first one. And, didn't, uh, he, didn't he team with the British Bulldogs and that and that with yeah. Danny Davis and the Hart Foundation? Yeah, yes, he had a he had a couple others, but I mean, as far as like a singles victory, I mean, he didn't win that match. No, he, he didn't, was just kind of there. But yeah. the, thing, the thing with Tito, <laughs> I'm is just that, happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't even joking. But uh, <laughs> the thing about Tito Santana is that Tito Santana was a really, really talented guy for a guy his size. He had a lot of speed. You know, he. He, he had a good look. He could, you know, to, to the degree that, that he was allowed to, he could. I thought he could talk real well. The thing about Santana, and I said the story goes that after um, after the scandal with the steroids in the uh, in, in the 90s and the, the kind of changing of the guard with Hogan leaving and, and going to WCW, the story always goes that Vince McMahon wanted to put the belt on somebody smaller and somebody with more technical skill, and that they wanted to put somebody who had appeal outside of the United States. And supposedly, it was down to either Tito Santana with them, uh, with the WWE then making a push into Mexico and Latin America, or the man who it went to, Bret the Hitman Hart, with them making an additional push into um, Canada and then the United Kingdom because of the connections with the Hart family. So, you know, it's one of those things that if they had decided, hey, you know, maybe we can get more money from the Lucha Libre crowd, Tito might have been a world champion and might have taken Bret Hart's spot. It's one of those intriguing what-ifs in the wrestling world. You know, what if they had gone with that route 
instead of Bret Hart. Now, I think Bret Hart was a great world champion, don't get me wrong, but I would have liked to have seen Tito get a shot at the top just because he was a guy that... The reason why Vince put him on first at WrestleMania was he told him, I know that you'll go out every time and give me a good match and get the crowd excited. You know, so as a, as a babyface champion in WWF, I think Tito Santana. I don't think he would have been one of the greatest, but to me, he he's a guy that deserved a shot with the big belt that never got one. Yeah, I just don't know if they would have given him enough time with it. It might have been one of those like a quick hitter kind of thing. Just you know, I I don't mean like they used to do where like the belt you know was won at the pay per view on Saturday, Sunday and then lost again Monday or something like that. Yeah, I just don't think they would have given him enough time. Uh, I mean, the problem was it went from, you know, hey, we're going to put him on. I mean, they made him the Matador. They put him in pink and green and whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I'm saying that was it. I mean, I guess maybe they had the Matador costume already and they were kind of like, well, Brett doesn't fit in it. So we got Petito in it. Uh, But just saying, can you imagine that? Brett, the Matador heart, you know. Well, you listen here. So, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, because Bret Hart's great interview style. I'm talking, you know. So. Who are you to question El Dandy? You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, Tito, the thing with Tito was he was a great Intercontinental Champion. I think people yes. forget that, though. You know why? Because, to be honest with you, the, the, intercontinental, the, internet, the Intercontinental The Internet belt. Champions. Yeah, no, 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 not, not, woo, woo, woo. Um, the... The you know Savage and um, Honky Tonk Man yeah kind of kind of dominate a lot of people's memories of the IC belt because let's face it Savage and the Honky Tonk Man were the guy I mean you know everyone kind of remembers that the Ultimate Warrior had it because he had to wait till he get the belt off of Hogan and whatever you know but it's like it's just hard because Tito was really good yeah you know and I think what hurts it more than anything else was. Uh, McMahon's expansion, the NWA still existed. Now, granted, we didn't see the NWA. We saw WWE much earlier, or WF much earlier than we saw the NWA because we didn't have cable, right? right. And it wasn't until we went over, I think it was at Grandma's house, right? We was we went, like <laughs> we saw the Road Warriors for the first time, Ric Flair, and I said, this is what wrestling could look like? Like, yeah. it doesn't have to all be, like, blue and all that stuff? Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, and Dad's <laughs> like, well, that's Ric Flair, and that's, I'm like, holy sh-. I'm like, and the Road Warriors, of course, are, you know, I mean, I think everyone, I mean, it, there are very few people I know who are, who are real wrestling fans who don't have like a road where like, oh, my God, you know, like, look at those guys. Right? Because even if you hated them, even if you're like, God, those guys couldn't work or whatever. I mean, you know, you look at them, they just blow you away. And what you got in WWE, when you saw the Road Warriors for the first time, you're like, what? Like, the British Bulldogs were a great tag team. The Hart Foundation, a great tag team. But they didn't blow you away with their size. You know what I'm saying? There's yeah. a different kind of thing. And I think that's one of the problems, too. Tito being in WWE, WWF, excuse me, he could have in in the NWA he would have been your U.S. champion. He would have been your your you know your national champion, the you know kind of thing like the the North American champion. That's the kind of belts he would have held because I don't think he ever would have been able to get to that top spot because he no. the face a face champion just never worked as well in the NWA. We just were talking about that. Yeah, but I think Tito had enough talent to do it. And I think the other thing with Tito is, and, and this is something that uh, um, some people forget, is that Tito, uh, you know, was such a good hand that they put him in things and he didn't have to win. No. Like, he he go out there and have a good match and not win. I mean, I always thought his best work was with Strikeforce. Well, yeah, you know? and that was, that's what I was going to say. His work as a tag team guy also. It's phenomenal. You know? was, was great. I mean, that hit, he was just such a good worker that it was valuable to have him lower yeah. on the card. Yeah, you know, I mean, one of the what was who was one of the first guys Undertaker beat at WrestleMania it was Tito yeah. Santana. 
you know. Yeah. So having, ha- you know, going over a guy like that, you know, shows that obviously they must have felt that, you know, Taker had something that they were going to work on with, with Tito. And that, yeah. and mentioning Strike Force is a good segue because that was my my alternate guy of a guy. When I talk about a guy who was an AWA oh, world champion, yeah. Rick Martel held that belt yeah. forever, but never had singles gold of any capacity in in w in, in the wwf or in uh wcw and ricky martell you want to talk about a guy with the not not to rank on lex luger but the guy with the total package with the looks <laughs> the body the, the the ability in the ring the ability to talk the ability to yeah. play a character ricky martell is one of the greatest of all time as far as i'm concerned and i'm a little disappointed that he's not in the hall of fame yet to be honest well i i i think i think martell's biggest uh, downside, and this this was always to me the issue. Martel worked really well in the AWA, like because Vern Gagne loved him. Like they thought this was, the, I mean, Vern Gagne loved you know had guys that he just knew he could put the belt on or whatever. The the NWA because this was brought up. Uh, I want to say I want to say I heard Jim Cornette talking about this uh, about well Rick Martel. You know he wasn't a guy who could walk into a bar and you know like like Ric Flair could walk in and the entire place is you know hanging on his words. You know, he also wasn't the guy who's going to walk in and if someone run their mouth, was going to whoop them the way like, you know, Harley wait. Harley, and, and it's true. I mean, that's not Rick Martel. That's not the guy he is. Um, and, and I think that's the problem. If you said to somebody, OK, you want to start a wrestling organization, they would go get like, I want these top 15 guys, not me. I want these top six guys. And then I want these other guys to make those six guys look like a million bucks. And then in six months. Those underneath guys, I need to get rid of them and then bring in some other guys to make new stuff. That's, that's what you need. Rick Martel was a guy who didn't need to win every match. His work as the model was phenomenal. Yeah, I don't remember him winning a lot. No, he did. You know, he I mean, didn't win a lot. And if he, he did he, win, he won by cheating, typically. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I do. But, but what do you remember, Rick Martel? You remember him in the Royal Rumble? And you're like, what the? Heck? Like yeah. that was. That happened in the yeah. first Royal Rumble, right? I forgot first to Royal tell Rumble. him to go out. Yeah, well, that's Pritchard. <laughs> I, want to say, I want to say it was Pritchard yeah. who's backstage with Pat Patterson. And Pat Patterson goes, what the fuck is Martel still doing in there? Yeah. And he goes, what What do you mean? He goes, he's supposed to be out. And they forgot to write him into the script to fall out. I'm going to fall out, be thrown out. So he's in there and in there and in there. And that that little bit became up like a running gag. Because, not a gag per se, but like it was a thing. Martel was known, no matter how you know whatever he might have been doing. I mean, he lasted like fifty-one minutes, and like what about Rick Martel? Fifty-one minutes. In the, he has some of the longest non-winning times <laughs> in the Royal Rumble. I mean, I'm like, I'm like, holy crap! Like, but what happens? You're watching. You're like, they're not going to let Rick Martel win this, and at some point, you're like, maybe they are. You know? <laughs> Stranger things have happened in wrestling. <laughs> So yeah, anyway, again, yeah. I mean, again, that was a guy that to me those is are, just, those are those are yeah. both two great, great, yeah. great guys. Yeah, but again, Martel did have his run in the AWA, so that 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 they said it, it's kind of like kind of an asterisk thing on there because some people count the AWA, some people only know the AWA as hey, remember that cool shirt John Cena had? What belt was that based on? You know? Yeah. Oh so, my god, <laughs> that's a cool shirt too. I do gotta admit, but uh, yeah, so that's you know just. Uh, Again, I'm showing my bias because Jay knows that I was I love those guys and Strike Force. I don't, I didn't root for a lot of baby faces, but Strike Force, nope. man, they were a good baby face tag team. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that's Remember, why they were destined well, to break up and feud as all good baby exactly. face well, tag they, teams they were, do. They were born they were born out of the ashes of, of one of the most popular tag teams WWE had had in a while, the Can Am Express. Can Am Express, yeah. You know, Tom Zink, otherwise known as Zeman, 
Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it's Z-Man. That's what I said. Z-Man. Z-Man. Um, you know, Zink and, and, and Martell coming in, and that was a way to get Martell in there. And I mean, the Canon Express was phenomenal too, but when you saw Strike Force, you're like, okay, that's, that's like a different level. Like, Tom Zink is, is a fine hand, and I'm not taking anything from Tom Zink, but he certainly wasn't as good as Tito Santana. No. And I think once you were able to, to link Santana and Martel up, you had I mean, you had a team that could wrestle Demolition, and it was believable. A team that wrestled the Heart Foundation, it was believable. The Rougeau brothers, it was believable. Like this team could wrestle the bigger teams and the smaller teams, and it was believable. Yeah, you know, because neither one of them were were humongous. It wasn't like you had you know one giant guy, one small guy, kind of like Enzo and Cass and whatever. You know, you had. You had guys who made sense, and that's what tag teams were back then. Yeah. I, and and I, I think I think what what might hurt Strike Forces, um, you know, people not remembering them is because they wrestled in the wrong. They, they wrestled in WBF instead of NWA. Yeah. The NWA was where the tag teams lived. I mean, let's be honest. Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express. I mean, the Midnight Express. We watched the match the other day. Haley and I were sitting here. It was Flair and Wyndham versus the Midnight Express. From Clash of the Champions. And Haley goes, Wow, Ric Flair! And I had to explain to her Barry Wyndham was. I'm like, that's Bray Wyatt and Bo Dallas's uncle. You know? <laughs> and, and she goes, That's Jim Cornette, but man, he's skinny. And I'm like, yeah. Well, that's a long time ago, Jim Cornette. <laughs> and I said to her, I said, Well, that's one of my favorite tag teams of all time. That's the Midnight Express, Stan Lane and Bobby Eaton. And I know you're not supposed to like them better than Condry and Eaton, but they were better than Condry and Eaton. And Eaton is an outstanding wrestler. But I think what happens is, because tag team wrestling was never that important event. He never saw that as a way. He did it because he had to kind of have that out there. It was a way to get guys in the card. But to him, tag team wrestling has never been anything important. And the NWA and, and even just Southern wrestling in general really valued that tag team. They valued that because they could tell a great story. Mm-hmm. And whether you like, uh, you know, uh, um, the Rock and Roll Express or you like Midnight Express or you like the Heavenly Bodies or you like whoever, those teams told a story. And it was there for that. I mean, it allowed you to tell a bigger story. So I'm just saying. I mean, I like Strike Force a lot, but they really. I think if they had had a run with with uh, if you could have put them against Oli and Arn, or, or, or Arn and Tully, Arn and Tully yeah. versus Strike Force, just just give them six months. Mm-hmm. People would be like, "Wow, man, remember that? Remember that feud? Because that'd be four good hands in the ring." Yeah, you know. Yeah. Hero, Hero who, who do you got? You haven't, uh, we haven't heard from you yet this show. All right. Well, most of my experience is watching WWF, so most of my pulls are going to be from that. Um, and it's, uh, I'm just going to go for you know the what I think is the top one overall uh, right away, uh, Mister Perfect. And I'm one of those guys that's always going to champion the the heel champion just because it, it gets heat, you know, like you because you, you're waiting for somebody to beat that bad guy. But how could you not? Love, Mr. Perfect. Everything about him was perfect. Yeah, I mean, it says it all right there. Keenan is the manager. Everything that he did, all the skits that they, everything that they did with Mr. Perfect was so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna come up a lot in this conversation. Yeah, he had the look. He had the in-ring ability. He could talk. I mean, no, I mean, he could really talk. Uh, any any of those skits that they did, he, I mean, he threw himself a touchdown. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, you don't get uh, much better than that. No, you don't. You can do everything. You, you, slap shot, t- touchdowns, running, everything that you wanted. You know, flip his pencil. How did, his, how did, how did that guy not... 
Think, think about that. Him flipping the pencil when he would do that. Those were live shots, and he would do that on Raw, and he would just tap it and flip it and catch it. Because he was perfect. <laughs> but, you know, but I'm saying it. You know how hard that is to do? And that's one of the things they said. people always said about Henning is that he could do all those things, and you're the best characters are the ones that are just, you know, you turned up, right? Well, he's able to do all these things because Henning was a hell of an athlete, even, you know, yeah. when he was younger, you know? But... The thing that I always liked his little mannerism when he'd spit the gum out and slap. Oh my god! I, I that is hard to do when you're like you know twelve and you're trying to emulate that. You know, spit <laughs> gum all over the place. Oh man! <laughs> you know, and again, Henning, Henning's big thing is Henning was the AWA champion, um, and, and he had a run there with the belt, but he was very young, and that's really what got him the job uh, in WWE. And you know, I mean, Vince was coming in, and he was buying up talent, buying up talent. And the problem was, again, Vince's idea of what a champion, he like he likes big, uh, I mean, he, he, he liked, he liked the, his dad liked the ethnic champions, and Vince liked big, muscular, you know, superheroes. That's why he's basically making superheroes. And it was always hard for any any uh, heel champion, and, be, and, it's, and it's always been hard for them, you know, uh, because, I mean, Iron Sheik, you know, is might be one of the greatest pure wrestlers they've ever had. You know, kind of thing, just as a talent. He never was going to be champion for a long time. I mean, who, who's outside of Superstar Billy Graham? And Superstar Billy Graham, who's Vince McMahon, uh, you know, Vince and Kenny McMahon, that's his favorite wrestler of all time. Who who else was there as, as a heel champion there? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yokozuna is about the only one, really. And and Yokozuna was at, was at the, that was when things were changing over. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It, it's a shame. I think, I think what hurts Henning... Uh, you know, a lot there was I mean, again. He never got it. He never got a chance. He he worked with Hogan, and the matches were good. But Henny was a hell of an IC champion. Yeah, he was so good. But again, he didn't need the belt. That's what I think. The big. I think we're going to say this a lot. Guys who just didn't need the belt on him. You know, Henning drew money. If if yeah. if you said it was going to be Henning and you know, uh, and and whoever, you know, Henning and Hogan's. Oh yeah, Hogan, Henning could beat him. You know, Hogan, man, he's strong, but Henning's got, you know, he's Bobby Heenan, you know, he just, you know, you got to kind of believe it. So. Uh, Save Wade Boggs' life, man. Yeah, well. Well, you Boston uh, guys, I know that's it. <laughs> oh, fuck Wade Boggs. Go Sauce. But, but, well, then, yeah, he, he fell off the pedestal, right, when he uh, he went over to the dark yeah, side. Yeah, it's okay. He had to win a title somewhere. Oh. He went to the fucking Rays too. So he gives uh, a shit. Uh, well, yeah, no, he went to the Rays because he lives in Tampa, and he was trying. And and there, all he was trying to do was open a bunch of Wade Boggs restaurants. So, so yeah, because everybody so wants to eat boiled chicken every night. That's great. Well, Fantastic. But, I'm, but I'm not kidding. That's what he went down there, and they were like, like part of his deal going down there was he had a franchise wade boggs's whatever it was a chicken thing it was a wade boggs's restaurants down there and that's why he signed with tampa i'm not kidding it's, it's, he was yeah, ready to retire and he's no like, kenny rogers roasters no well bad chicken man mess you up. Up. <laughs> so what you're saying is that basically he he was like uh christian cage signing with tna because he lived in tampa yes yes <laughs> pretty much pretty much yeah no, Mr. So, Perfect's a good. I I, I agree. Yeah, I mean, Perfect yeah, was Henning, yeah. yeah. Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning was just he was a you know he's one of those guys that even if you weren't even if you you even if you were a guy that liked baby faces you knew he was good you know he was absolutely perfect and he did it so well 
And I, I always liked him when, when he was working with Lanny Poffo as the genius. Yeah. You oh, yeah. the, two, the two most arrogant guys, and they were perfect partners, you know? You had the the guy that was, uh, you know, the, the the guy that was like the absolute, just pure athlete who could beat you with it, with uh, his athleticism and his skill, and then you had the guy that was still a great athlete but would beat you with the power of his brain, you know. And yes. uh, <laughs> the two of them well, working think... with Hulk Hogan when Genius beats Hogan <laughs> is one of the greatest matches yeah, of Hulk yeah. Hogan's career, as far as I'm concerned. Is, isn't that a Saturday Night's main event? That was, a, I believe, that was either Saturday Night's was... main event or the main event. It was one of the two. Yeah. Well, the thing is this, though. I, I, I feel like they've tried to recreate that over and over again through the years, trying to kind of match two guys up who don't seem to fit as well, whatever. It just never works. It always feels wrong. Like, it's like, I've seen this, but this is not a good copy. You know? Well, that's like, kind of, you know, tra- it's like, like Miz and Sandow. I always, you yeah, know, you had that, one guy that I mean. was an athlete and one guy that was smart, but... But the thing with, you know, the reason why I thought Perfect and the Genius worked is that, yeah, Genius did not go over very often. But no, no. but uh, but Perfect went over always. He, he barely went over in the federation that his dad ran. Yeah. Christ, you know. Yeah, did, did he get over his Leapin' Lanny Poffo? Yeah. I think, come on. Well, let's face it. Everyone remembers Leapin' Lanny Poffo for getting headbutted oh my by Andre Giant God. and getting his skull split open. His we head watched exploded. That. I showed that to Haley. That right? is, Haley... that is. I'm sorry. One one of the other topics I have in the notebook is like worst instances of color ever. That is always number one for me because that terrified me when I was a kid. We were little kids. <laughs> Andre little the Giant kids. just destroyed Lanny Poffo with one. But head he headbutts him. He headbutts him and then throws him over and they go, "Oh God!" And he goes, "Look at Lanny's face," you know, kind of thing. And it's like, <laughs> like oh. Oh, and, and it, the worst part is Lanny's just selling the shit out of it. And he's just like got his hands going, oh, like he's selling like. Like, he's either birthing a watermelon or, like, you know, I don't know what. He's passing the worst kidney stone of all time. Like, he's selling it like he's in so much pain. And you know that Andre headbutted him. And he, I don't know if he hard-weighed him or not, but he's bleeding. So, I, you know. Yeah. I've, I've heard different stories. I heard that it was a blade job or that it was an that, – that, I've heard it was a blade job because they wanted to put him over as just absolutely destroying a guy with a headbutt. Yeah. But I've also heard that it was a total uh, accidental hard way that he just caught him right in the bridge of his nose and and yeah. in, uh, by accident. And I mean, if, if under well, the giant Lanny, head hit you in the face, yeah. that, that was all she yeah. wrote, you know. Well, when yeah. Lanny rubbed the blood, I mean, yeah. and he's, it's, it's like a Ric Flair. Ric Flair have a little cut, and all of a sudden Ric Flair looked like he's bleeding like a stuck pig because he rubbed it in his hair. Lanny knew to rub the blood up onto his face and like really. And, and, and as you go down, you just dig, and you, if your nose is bleeding, you just rub your nose real hard and make yeah. it bleed. You know, kind of thing. Now, so. now, I will say this: Lanny Poffo did not make my list because I don't think he ever should have been world champion. Nope. But man, nope. what an underrated guy right there, Lanny Poffo. Yeah. What was supposed to be, supposedly, was supposed to be the new Gorgeous George in WCW. After after Savage bought the Gorgeous George gimmick, so and gave it to his girlfriend. Well, eventually they gave they, they, they eventually gave it to his girlfriend. Yeah, but the idea was that it was going to be Poffo was going to come in with blonde hair and be the and be Gorgeous George. And WCW kept saying, okay, well, next month, next month, next month, and then it never happened. So, <laughs> but anyway, so, oh, good. I mean, geez, geez, Louise, good choices. Uh, yeah. Jay, who, who do you got? All right, how about we go with Black Jack Mulligan? Recently, uh, recently passed away, actually, yes, as we're yes, recording yes. this, Black Jack Mulligan. Black uh, Jack Mulligan, the grandfather of Bo, Bo and, uh, and Bray. Bray Wyatt. 
Uh, yeah. Bray Wyatt's career recently passed away, so that's... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bo Dallas, had, had, they've never had one after... Most of these guys never had a prime. You know, so. Well, you know, I'm, I'm still holding out hope that somebody, uh, you know, gets a clue and says, hey, why don't we make Bo Dallas hook up with Bray Wyatt and let them really, like... Everyone knows their brothers. Why don't we hook this up and make this really work? But I would know, I would have them be the new varsity club and just go complete one eighty from what they've done with uh, them. Can't have, yeah. and, and just you know get get I mean Kevin Sullivan's gotta have some some grandkid or something running around, right? Just bring that in. But anyway, uh, uh, but okay, for Blackjack Mulligan, I think yeah. a lot of us uh, if you if you only watch the BE, you only know Blackjack Mulligan as one of two things. You know him as uh, as Blackjack Mulligan, the guy with the snot rag who fought Ron Bass. You know, for the a few battle for Texas on Saturday night's yeah, main event, right? I mean, he's a he was a big dude and kind of whatever, but you know, or you know him as a machine, as Big Machine, yeah, right? Um, and let's be honest, Big Machine, Super Machine, uh, Giant Machine, Hulk Machine, Roddy Machine, Animal Machine, Crusher Machine, the machines were. Uh, I love the machines. I thought they were really freaking awesome. But I know some people are like, "That's so stupid." I'm like, "That's so genius," because. Yeah. At the time, I had no idea who Super Machine was because I didn't know who Superstar, Bass Superstar was. Um, you know, it's, it's Bill Ed, Bill Eady, who yeah. eventually was axed. Um, but I clearly knew who Andre Giant was. And look at the <laughs> other guy goes, that guy looks big. He kind of looks like Blackjack Mulligan. It is Blackjack Mulligan, <laughs> right? But Blackjack Mulligan, his real, his, I mean, obviously, he is known as being a great tag team wrestler with Blackjack Lands as the Blackjacks, and they were a great tag team. But Blackjack Mulligan... Um, and when, I mean, it's a shame because a lot of people only know him as the guy with the big red shirt on and the doofy overalls with the thing. Black, Mulligan, if you knew him from the A to B, at the NWA days, the early, early, late seventies, early eighties, him and Flair, um, where he was part of the booking committee, and he was uh, him in Florida and stuff. He was just like another big man who could just work. And it's funny because again, being Barry Windham's dad. Barry Windham's one of those guys that a lot of people are like, man, Barry Windham, like, he was so good. Well, yeah, he was good. He he was, from a young age, was learning. And the shame of it is that Kendall Windham just never was blessed with as much physical talent as his brother had. But, you know, you look at them, you're like, wow, man, Blackjack Mulligan. If you look back at his old stuff, another guy who, I don't know if he needed the belt. Like, he, I want to say he was like NWA North America, like uh, Mid-Atlantic champion a lot, stuff like that, but. I just don't know if he needed the title, you know what I'm saying? But he would have been a good champion. I think you would have seen him. Um, he's the kind of guy I could just could have seen maybe taking the belt for a run, uh, especially when Flair, you know, had the, the plane accident and they were scrambling. I mean, they put the belt back on Harley and Harley held the belt and stuff. But man, Harley and, and and Blackjack could have been like a really good series of matches. You know, maybe start that like mid, you know, mid May, let it run through the summer, you know, kind of thing. Go down south with that. So. Mm-hmm. Just a guy, good, really good yeah. guy who I think history's kind of forgotten about. And, and another guy that was is probably better known as a tag team guy, the Blackjack. Oh yes, I mean, oh yeah. You know me, I'm a I'm a sucker for a good outlaw cowboy character. You know, mm-hmm. I believe it or well, uh, I mean one one of my favorites of the modern era is is uh, you know John Bradshaw Layfield, and I was first attracted to him as Justin Hawk uh, Bradshaw doing mm-hmm. a blackjack gimmick. You know, with yeah. the lariat and branding the guys and all that. So I love a good cowboy gimmick, and he's one of the best. Well, and he has, wrestled. Was was it wasn't weren't they the new blackjack? Yeah, blackjack Wyndham and blackjack uh, uh, Bradshaw were the, the yeah. new blackjacks because yeah, Lindem, uh, Lindem, yeah. uh, blackjack Lanza, I want to say, is Layfield's uncle or something like that. 
uh, or he's 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 a he's a so he has is a relation to him, but um, you know the the and, and Mulligan had just some some crazy stories. Like there's uh, there's a story where he was um, uh, he, he got attacked at Boston Garden, and uh, and, and a guy jumped out of the crowd and cut him in the leg. Mm-hmm. And, and he was fighting, and Gorilla Monsoon grabbed him, and they threw the guy. Apparently, the story goes that he threw him to the police, and the police thought it was part of the show, so they let the guy go. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, I know the story now. Yeah, uh, and uh, and uh, there, he had a match against uh, Bruno San Martino. It was San Martino's big uh, uh, comeback match, and uh, after he, um, you know, at, at Madison Square Garden, and, and uh, San Martino beat Mulligan in like a minute. And the place went crazy, and because uh, Monsu- or Mulligan had to be uh, had to, that, that was right after that he had to go and get recovered from getting cut in the leg, but he put over San Martino and blew up the Garden in a sold-out crowd. So yeah, he, Mulligan's one of those guys that again, if, if you didn't if you didn't uh, like I've I've watched a lot of his stuff on tape. Like I said, I mm-hmm. remember him when I was a kid, just kind of at the end of his career. But watching the Blackjacks and stuff, man, him he was just he is a yeah, just one of the. A great brawler, a, a great, again, he should have been a champion at some point, if only for somebody to come and take the belt off of him. Yeah. You know? Well, the thing is, it, we, we, before he got, I mean, when we, he, when he was wrestling with Sam Bass and stuff like that in the, in the mid-80s, he had gained, he had gained into his career, he had gotten much heavier. It's, but when he was younger, he was, like, thinner. I mean, he was always big, but he wasn't, like, as, as like, massive. I mean, I'd say he was fat. You know, like, he wasn't Bundy or something like that. But he was much heavier dude. And Jesse Ventura used to always put him over, which I thought was weird because Ventura always being the heel, you know, he would put over Mulligan, yeah. you know, as being a tough son of a bitch and like, well, he's a big dude. You can't get him up, you know, whatever. And I think I want to say it was a battle royal when Andre Giant grabbed him and like glommed him over the top. And you're like, he's like, well, of course, Andre could do it, but no one else could get Mulligan <laughs> off his feet. And I'm like, wow, like that makes so much sense. Like, remember, you know, remember when battle royals made sense? Yeah. It didn't well. involve Rob Gronkowski. Just yeah. <laughs> Gender, anyway. got it. Hey, look, think about think about poor uh, Mojo Rawley. Okay, he yeah. wins the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, last eliminating Jinder Mahal, who is now the number one contender for the world yep. title. So, what yep. does that make Mojo Rawley? Shouldn't he be next in line? And yeah, no. If you apply you logic think. to wrestling, <laughs> no. You, 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 <laughs> well, well, there's where you made your mistake. Yeah. Well, okay, you're ready for what Mojo Raleigh is? You'll get those. He's like, jobs. yeah. Well, here's what Mojo Raleigh is. Oh no, Zack Ryder's hurt. What am I going to? Oh, I'll take his spot. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, they they yeah, were they yeah. were yeah, but they were they were a team first. He didn't take his spot. Because he, if he took his spot, all he did was take his spot in the catering line because neither of them got used on TV. So <laughs> <laughs> I love Zack Ryder, but man, I he do. ain't never gonna be nothing. He ain't never gonna be nothing than what he was. The other, he his best moment already happened. So. But you know what? But Zack is living his dream, and I. Got, what, what, got, is, is, isn't, isn't he? Isn't he with Emma still? Or are they still broken up? I mean, if, 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 he, if he's tagging Emma, good for him because I, I know he's he's giving. I don't, I'm not sure. I've been watching his YouTube series on uh, doing his rehab for his for his knee. Yeah, which oh, is yeah. Uh, which is sounds thrilling. No, I mean he, he's talking about no. Well, you know, if you ever watch his old he's, he's his funny, old though, show, dude. he's real funny. His old show yeah. where he did you know all the the silly stuff with the you know the internet championship and all that. Now he, he's trying to be serious, Zach, and he's talking <sighs> about his comeback and all that, which is you know. You know, you don't see that stuff too much, except on you know your your network specials like you know uh, Dolph Ziggler, success of a failure, you know. But 
We love you, Miz. Uh, we love you. But uh, <laughs> uh, the next guy I have on on my list, another guy who I think had all the all the talent in the world, all the psych the psychological skill, uh, one of the all time greats in that respect. But a guy again never won the belt and probably never needed it is Jake the Snake Roberts. One of my favorites yeah. when I was a kid. I always liked kind of the oddball characters anyway. And Jake was like the oddest of the bunch back then. And he was one of those guys that even... One of the things I always thought was, was great about Jake Roberts, when he was a heel, he would work against other heels. And and you and as, as a little kid, that, that, that threw me. You know, it's like, what? They're both bad guys. How can they be fighting, you know? Because, <laughs> it, and, well, you know, in, in WWF, everybody, all the bad guys all got along. You know, except Jake it was, Roberts it was, yeah. and Bad News yeah. Brown. Those were the only two right. that yes. didn't like anybody else. How about Bad News Al? I, I, know, <laughs> I know you said Bad News Al on the do my eye. <laughs> I was going to say, Bad News Brown like nobody. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, 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 I'm just going to need some help finding the ring. But uh, yeah. Sex Ferguson, never was world champion, deserved it. But anyway, um, but yeah, but Roberts, <laughs> again, you're talking about a guy with, with the great in-ring ability and the ability to tell a story, especially as a heel. You know, and the way that he would work, he could work with anybody, you know, and I, and he was one, again, one of the, when they made him a baby face, I kept on, because he, he didn't really change that much, you know? No. It's one of those ones where he would... <laughs> Still just Jake the Snake. Yeah, he would just be feuding with Ricky Martel or the, or whomever, instead of feuding with, you know, uh, a, a baby face, he would feud with a heel now. But, uh, yeah, but again, again, for all for all that Jake Roberts has become this poster child for everything wrong with the industry... Or for man, Diamond Dallas Page saved his life, or whatever. To me, it was just, just one of the, the be- absolute best of his era, and a guy that I don't know that he ever could have carried a promotion, but uh, it's still one of the one. He just stands out to me as a guy that probably should have won the big belt somewhere. You know, coal miner's glove in a pole match, notwithstanding, with Sting. Yeah. You know, but I, uh, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I think, I think again, he's another guy. We're mentioning these guys who are great wrestlers, but a lot of them, it's like I don't know if they ever needed the belt. No, that, that, you know? and that, and that, and, that, and that's a that's a legitimate uh, statement. It's a legitimate criticism. It's like, well, yeah. you know, did did Andre the Giant ever need the belt? You know, we could always no. argue, did Undertaker ever need the belt? No, except at the very beginning, and then he only held it for a, a day anyway, and then yeah, you had to make him. Yeah, yeah. you had to make him. Jack of the Tunny. So, you know, yeah, Jack of the Tunny. It um, turns out he's but, actually been dead for several years, but uh. yeah. <laughs> The, the, the other thing with Roberts is I always thought Roberts was – I mean, again, I know he didn't change a lot being a heel to a face or whatever, but him as a heel was always better. Yeah. Like, you know, when, when you're just like, well, you know, because he's kind of a face and you're like – I mean, you, you don't want to like, – he's a snake, so you just can't trust him. I mean, like – but yet as a face oh, – you can trust him. Never yeah. Well, trust the snake. But I'm saying he would do he would do the heelish stuff even as a face, but you're still like, eh, I kind of like him always better as a heel – you know, kind of thing, and that's why I him, always I always thought it was funny that that's who Steve Austin beat to become the King of the Ring and start off yeah. in 2016 was Jake Roberts because Austin was the same way. Whether he was a babyface or a heel, he he behaved exactly the same. It's just who was yeah. he beating up? You know, who was he spraying down well, with with yes. or, or throwing yes. a belt into the river for? Yeah, <laughs> one I mean, of the greatest all... greatest Intercontinental Championship moments of all time to me. <laughs> throwing the belt in the what is that the uh, they were in St. Louis, I think, and he threw it in the river. It's like, oh yeah. my damn. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, it's, the thing is, the guy, again, like, yeah, exactly. A guy like Steve Austin, um, when Steve Austin found himself, um, you know, and he found his voice there in WWE, and, and you know, he's the Stone Cold character, and he became revolutionary. Um, but even a guy like Steve Austin, 
you know, when he was in a stunning Steve Austin or as one of my apps. I mean, I know he only did it for a couple of weeks, but superstar Steve Austin was awesome. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Fucking superstar Steve Austin was like, yeah, brother, let me tell you. Like, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, because we're watching this and you're like, I think that man is having like a nervous breakdown. <laughs> like he looks like he's, I, 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 I'm looking no. like watches. I want to say, was it Christmas time? Yeah, it was, like, it was, it was, I, I want to say it was around then, yeah, and he was he was yeah. just losing it. Well, I'm saying is, because we used to record ECW, because ECW was on 2 o'clock in the morning, and we would tape it, and I want to say it was I, it was probably Christmas morning, we were watching a couple episodes of ECW, or maybe it was the night before, I had a VCR in my room, and we were watching ECW, and I want to say, you know, he's just having it, like, basically having a nervous breakdown, and Joey Styles goes, Joey Styles goes, that's Steve Austin! <laughs> and it's just like... <laughs> Like, like, as much as Pillman's breakdown in, in ECW, you know, the crazy oh, stuff that happened there, right? It was insane, but, I mean, I think Pillman was ahead of his time with a lot of that stuff. The Steve Austin, Super Steve Austin stuff, I mean, I know, like, I, mean, I was like, man, he could win the title. He could be the champion here. Like, who the hell would have known you were looking at Stone Cold Steve Austin? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I mean, Stone Cold Steve Austin became a, a different level of guy, and I think that's what's hard. It's really hard to kind of look at a guy and say, that's the guy. Like, think something has to catch. And I mean, if, I mean, when you look at The Rock, you know, as Rocky Maivia, you know, kind of thing, Dwayne Johnson when he was, you know, you're like, well, this guy's got a lot of physical gifts, but who would ever figured he'd become The Rock? Well, he's well, he's the same funny. With the Undertaker, I mean, come on, yeah. I mean, Mark Callis, it's like that is the most generic <laughs> gimmick ever. Oh, yeah, well, you know, that you know yeah, from, right? Mean Mark, he was he was Dan Spivey's partner. That's all Mean Mark was, you know. Well, okay, so Mean Mark, what is that? Uh, say? Mean, Okay, well, we're ready for this. So, so, so Mark Calloway, who was wrestling as Kane the Undertaker, or uh, Kane the whatever, he was wrestling as Kane, basically, um, which is funny, but spelled differently in Texas. It was Big Red he wrestled as also. Uh, what happened was, <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was when Sid, he was work, that was when he was working Western Kentucky, right? He was Big Red. Yeah, Big Red. <laughs> well, he, he he was wrestling in that, and well, he was wrestling in the Texarkana area. And what happened was, uh, Sid Vicious was quote unquote hurt. Uh, because he felt the softball was more important, um, and he left for softball, and they said, shit, we need somebody. So they said that they – so Jim Cornette, uh, I forget who told Cornette about him, because Cornette was on the booking committee. They said, we got a guy. He goes, all right, well, whoever, send him. And they sent him to Atlanta, and in walks me, Mark, you know, me and Mark, right? And they're like, what are we going to call him? And I think it was Terry It was Terry Funk was on the booking committee. He goes, well, why don't we call him Mark Callis? <laughs> Because he's callous and doesn't care, you know. Uh, at, what happened to poor Terry Funk? Yeah. I'm Terry Funk. I can't I'm lose. lose. I'm a world Terry, champion. When you when you Stay listen down, to Terry Funk talk, listen to Terry Funk talk, like he's like, oh, that's how I'm talking. He does. He talks like that, you know. And then he and then he gets crazier as he gets going. It's not but, the blacks. It's the Haitians. Yeah. Well, it's the people from Nassau. Yeah. So he and that's what happens. And Mark K comes and calls him Mark Callis. Yeah. yeah, I mean he. I mean, and let's be honest: is that you know Dan Spivey. Um, yeah, you know yeah. he was fine. He's 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 a he was a, he was a you know did his job. But uh, his people remember his tag team partners far better than they remember him. <laughs> so anyway, so. But yeah, Jake know, Roberts I, again. I, yeah, I Jake, agree. Yeah. Good, great guy, great wrestler. You know, obviously had his issues, but uh, yeah, it, it, had the talent know, like, to be world champion. Never really needed it, I don't think. Yeah. So, what do you got, Hero? Oh man. Uh, so why don't we just dive into another heel that doesn't <laughs> didn't need the belt? Uh, 
Rowdy Rodney Piper. The Hot uh, Rod. You know what's not, funny about that is that the and and Hot Rod, you know, obviously considered one of the greatest heels of all time. I I was I'm young enough that the first time I remember seeing Roddy Piper, he was working babyface. That's how that's how when I came into wrestling was after Adrian Adonis had taken over Piper's pit and turned it into the flower shop. Piper came back and destroyed it with the baseball bat. The only one, the only one that might be better. The only one that might be better. I mean, that whole that whole together when 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 they beat up Piper and then he comes back out and blow and destroys the, the flower shop with the baseball. The only one better than that is Andre ripping the cross off of Hogan because that may be one of the best. Yeah. Well, why are you doing this, Andre? We're friends. <laughs> yeah. That might be one of the, the that's one of the craziest holy shit moments of all time, period. But Piper, the great part about Piper, and I don't mean to steal your thunder here, Hero. Piper's, right. the great thing about him is uh, if you go back and watch old Piper, it's amazing. Piper and Flair. Piper and the fucking dog collar match between Roddy Piper and Greg Valentine is insane because that's a real cha- piece of chain between them. They're beating each other with it. They're bleeding all over the place. Just crazy Roddy Piper. And I think the crazy about Piper, and again, he was a great heel. He did not lose a match by pinfall or submission for something like six years or something like that in WWE or WF. Yeah. He he lost by DQ. He lost by you know the the, the match got thrown out. Whatever they were cheating. Whatever. But I don't. He I'm trying, I want to say it was. I thought it was almost six years. He never was pinned or submitted. And that's hard for a heel to and and still remain a top guy. You know what I'm saying? But they knew that Piper, if he ever got beat, he, it would kind of just take a little of that. People just wanted to see him lose, and he lost. You know, by DQ or by whatever, but he never got his shoulders pinned down, and I think that's what helped make him such an elite level heel. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And Piper was what I always liked about Roddy Piper, and I and I do like Roddy Piper quite a lot. I I, I felt when he came back to WCW, I knew what they were doing, and I I recognized that at the time, but I felt bad for him because it's like, yeah, but you're you're, you're just trying to recapture something that was magical. You know, you and, yeah. and Hogan working together, and that you know, and, and again, I, I was glad to see him get the work and all that. But it's like, man, you know, I, I would have preferred you, you stay re- stay retired and, and not tarnish your your legacy. But he would he would do more work where he would you know get to just chance to talk and be himself and really you know make some some good uh, do some good stuff after that. But what I think always like about Roddy was that he could work something serious or something so ridiculous, and he oh, gave, yeah. it, he gave <laughs> it his all every time. One of my favorite Roddy Piper moments, he was leading a team at Survivor Series one year, and it was him, the Bushwhackers, and was it Jim yeah. Snuka? Yeah, I think so. And, and he's, he's kind of corralling them all to to the ring. He's like, no, we eat lunch after the match. We don't eat the turkey before the match. You're going to fall asleep if you eat the turkey before the match. And he's, you know... <laughs> And he's just going crazy doing this, you know, his crazy stick. And it's like, it, it's like it, if he was working, but then he could turn around and do something completely dead serious, and you bought it, you know, because he was that good at expressing himself and getting his ideas across. And you, and anytime he was called on to do a tough guy bit or something, you could buy it because he was a legit tough guy. You know, one of my he 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 is responsible. One of my favorite 
um, you know, just pure garbage matches ever from WrestleMania. The Hollywood backlot oh. brawl with gold. That match is amazing. Yeah. That match that is amazing. It's great, great. But it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's garbage match, but it's great. It's not exactly a five-star classic, but man, that is an awesome. Oh match. no. And it's, he, it's, it's a classic. It, it has a slow chase with a Brock. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> and then I'm ripping all <laughs> Dustin's outfit off. And he's got the lingerie on. <laughs> classic. Yeah. Which is which is it, that? I mean, that tells you something about the the nature of what it, WWE WWF had become at that time. Yeah. When you're rooting for Rowdy Roddy Piper over the vaguely sexually ambiguous guy, it's like and, and wow. The, and the great thing about that, he was a, he was a villain that was supposed to be Razor Ramon, but oh, Ramon yeah. had left, and so they said, "Well, we need somebody that's willing to beat up Dustin Rhodes." And like, I'll beat up anybody, you know. So. <laughs> And uh, and the thing about Roddy Piper is, you know, you want to talk about a guy that, again, just to me, always struck me as loving the business and would do what it took to, to get something over. Even when he was in WCW, he would do things like um, there was I mean, there was a whole bit with him and like Dallas Page and stuff against the New World Order that it was like, you know, Roddy, you don't need to do this. You could come out and, you know, work work a match against Hogan or or, you know, one of the other top guys once every three months. And, and, and they'd still pay you, but you're out here, you're trying to get the show over and get the young guys over and all that. No, I mean, when he, he's true, Roddy Piper is one of those guys that deserves his legend status. And, you know, it, it's almost, I, I think in one sense, it's perfectly fitting that he never was a world champion because that wasn't the hot rod, you know. He always yeah. had to be the guy that was the rabble rouser, the antagonizer, you know. He was never going to be the top guy because if he was the top guy, who was he going to antagonize? Ooh, you know, yeah, whereas, you know, when, when he was not the top guy, he could say, oh, yeah, you don't want to fight the hot rod, you know, and uh, it's not how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get back up again. So that's, you know, I, I agree. Just a, a, one of the one of the best. And again, never needed the belt, probably deserved at least one, you know, uh, you know, uh, lifetime achievement award run with it, though. Yeah. That he never won it in WCW is so indicative of some of the problems behind the scenes in that company. Mm -hmm. You know? Because you know, well, 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 in WCW, Hogan. yeah. In WCW, he beat Hogan. He Several beat times. Hogan, but never for yeah. the belt. Yeah, it was always non titleable. That's that's Hogan's creative control stuff. There's Yeah. I mean ugh. he beat him in a cage match and it wasn't for I the know. belt. No, and I again, know. it's like again, whatever you think about that, but it's like, you know, and, and Jay, you know this, and, and listeners, you'll learn this. I'm one of the biggest WCW apologists out there. Okay, I'm yeah. a big fan of Eric Bischoff. I've read his book, and oh, uh, I. it's a good book, by the way. I, I, I recommend yeah. Controversy Creates Cash if you haven't picked yeah. it up. Uh, use the Amazon link at TwoTrueFreaks.com. But the nice. ching, but uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's but so I'll, I'll I, I can understand why choices were made. I that one is one of those ones that. Again, I know that you're doing this whole thing with with building up to Sting and all that, but man, can you imagine the goodwill they would have earned? Mm -hmm. I mean, they earned a lot of goodwill with Piper winning, but ultimately we all realized it didn't mean anything because the belt yeah. wasn't on the line. Right, right, you know? yeah. So Piper I, winning I, earned a lot of goodwill for people yeah. that absolutely hated Hollywood Hogan at that point. Yeah. But not enough to, you know, say, well, you know, they, they, they took the belt off Because they took it off of him for a week. You know, and then or or whatever it was when Luger beat him at at the the at Road Wild, and then they put it back on him. So they could have done that and still worked with the thing with Sting. But you know, hey, we're gonna fantasy book WCW. That's a whole other series of podcasts. Yeah. You, know, you, you know, you know how Luger got that belt, right? 
That was Hall and Nash. Hall and Nash were big fans of Luger, which I I always kind of found as weird. Uh, Kevin Nash actually did. Uh, it's uh, called the Kayfabe Commentaries. Does yes. a series called they, Timeline. Yeah, I've I've seen yeah. most of that one. Yeah. Yeah, I, and it's really good. I mean, the thing with Kevin, I know a lot of people don't like Kevin Nash. I'm I I like Kevin Nash. I have for a long time. Um, I know people shit on him and stuff, but I think the guys that everyone loves were either you know are are either dead. Or, uh, or guys who didn't do a whole hell of a lot, like, to push boundaries. And I think the outsiders were one of those, you know, the Nash and Hall and Nash did a lot of pushing boundaries and they, people didn't like that. And the difference being is Kevin Nash wrestles because they pay him a lot of money. And that's what he was in it for. He's in it for the money. I mean, Scott Hall, as much as you might think Scott Hall's got all these demons or whatever, Scott Hall loves wrestling. He loved being in there. And Scott Hall actually used to put guys over. It was Scott Hall's idea. To make the one, two, three kid. It was Scott Hall's like, like he had, he's like, we got to put the belt in Luger. And they had to convince Hogan that this is a good idea. And Hogan goes, really? He goes, trust me, this is going to make it even hotter. If Luger takes the belt off of you, this makes it even bigger. And then what happened was it happens and it did pop everybody. I mean, it made a big pop. And what happened was Hogan, whoever else was in Hogan's ear, you know, the little, the little, uh, whatever, you know, chirp, chirping away. And it just because Hogan's like, I need the belt back. It's like, and they were like, and flat out, I mean, Hall even says it. I mean, I mean, Nash even says it. You don't need the belt, dude. You don't need it. You're Hulk Hogan. You don't need to be champion. We'll cheat and get it back, and it'll work. But you can't just take it off and fit. And his creative, he, his Hogan was just a mess. Uh, I mean, I don't know how how what how how you know on the level he's ever been about a lot of stuff, but he was a real mess there. And I think that's one of the reasons why people look at like. Like the, um, I don't know if either of you ever read the book, The Death of WCW. No. Um, the they actually just I Is actually that the just, one by R D Reynolds. Yes, yeah, by WrestleCraft guys. Yeah, I read the original one, and they just put out a new edition, and they've added like another, like they basically doubled the size of the book. And I actually got it on my Kindle for four dollars the other day, and I was like, oh, I'll get it for four bucks. It's worth you know re rereading the way I did. And they go into a lot of depth about that stuff, and you know, I'm I'm not I'm not always the the biggest eric bischoff fan because i don't like some of his booking ideas because my idea how i book and how he books doesn't always jive up but i can't say that i hate everything you know i mean there's a lot of stuff that worked and bringing piper in i i think bringing piper in was a much better idea than when they tried to bring warrior in. yeah (laughs) warrior came in what a fucking clusterfuck that was like and and that was uh who wasn't that Henning, who got hurt on the trap? Oh, Davy Boy Smith. Davy Boy Smith, thank yeah, you. And Davy Boy yeah. Smith and one of the Viano brothers also got hurt on that stupid trap door. Yeah. And it's like Just, I mean the collateral damage here alone from that yeah. stupid uh, return of yeah. the Ultimate Warrior. They've been better off bringing back uh, RoboCop. So. <laughs> well, well, you know, or, or or Chucky, you know. Yeah. <laughs> or the Demon. Wait, they had him. Oh. Dale Torborg, <laughs> but yeah, um, I I'm I'm right there with you on on Hot yeah. Rod. Just uh, yeah, Piper's great man. He's you know he's you know a, one of the one of the things never came to pass was they were supposed to work a an angle with Raven and Roddy Piper. Ooh, Raven, really? When Raven was doing all the vignettes when he was back in the suburbs with Chastity, oh yeah 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 with Chastity mm-hmm. and Hack and you know. Yep. Pack your bags. We're going on a guilt trip. You know, there, there was that was supposed to lead to a, a some kind of angle with Raven and Roddy Piper. And the two of them working together is like a that, that would have been insane. 
Yeah, two, of the, nuts. two of the absolute smartest guys ever in the business working together like that. And two yeah. guys that are not afraid, again, you say about pushing boundaries. About yeah, doing, yeah, yeah, yeah. doing shit you're just not supposed to do, you know. Yeah. But unfortunately, it happened at the wrong time in WCW and, and never came to pass. All right, so uh, it's me. I think I'm yeah, up, right? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so I was going to go with another older guy, but I think I'm going to mention somebody who um, I think the consensus is that this guy was going to become world champion. And I don't think anyone will argue that he would have been world champion had it not been for his car accident. And that's Magnum TA. Mm-hmm. Um, Terry Allen, unfortunately, uh, nearly killed himself when his Porsche, uh, he got in an accident in his Porsche, all of, I think, like two minutes from his house. Like it was like it was just wet roads and he just was going way too fast. And, and it's a shame because I think Magnum TA would have been... <sighs> I'm not going to say he would have taken, he would have been Sting, but he would have been the guy to when the, there would have been no, like, like he would have been the guy in the, in the, in the mid, you know, the mid eighties who would have been the top guy, him and Flair going back and forth with the belt. Basically he would have had Nikita Koloff spot. Nikita Koloff took his spot because him and Nikita Koloff had an amazing feud. And any of you younger listeners who has like, who the hell is Magnum TA? Magnum TA, <laughs> like, who the fuck is that guy? Right? Go watch, go watch Magnum TA versus Nikita Koloff. You want to talk about like a feud? I mean, that was just, just amazing. In fact, Magnum TA versus Tully Blanchard in the, it was that Starcade. Oh, what Starcade is that? Where they're in the cage when he takes the chair and the I Quit match, and he's gouging his head, his eye out with the with the leg of the chair. Like just insane crap. That was because yeah, that was Starcade nineteen eighty five. Five. Okay, thank you. Uh, but I'm saying, just go back and look at his stuff. He was good. He was really good. Well, he, and he, he got yeah. like the, the the biggest advanced contract ever in that promotion, yeah. right? And then yeah. that that was right before the accident. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's why. That's why. Well, I mean, he gets in the accident, and they were like, "Well, Terry, you know," and and they, they didn't. They didn't try to cover that shit up. They just said, "This is what happened." Because it wasn't something he had to hide. It was he got in a car accident. It was he was. Road. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't even. Yeah. He wasn't even doing anything. He wasn't supposed to. It was just yeah, bad conditions. Just, yeah. yeah. And so what happened? They kept him around, and you just felt bad. Like you watching him interview guys who, you know, you know that was his spot. And he's like. Well, I mean, how's it going there? You know, champ, he's talking to these guys. You can just see it in his eyes. He just, he had the look. You know, he, 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 had, he had the killer mustache, the, you know, good good hair. I mean, the women loved him. Oh, he my God. Like Magnum. Yeah. Well, that's, that's I'm thinking, but, I'm thinking, but women loved him. Like, he was so over. Oh, it's just a shame because I think Magnum TA would be remembered as one of the great NWA, you know, into WCW champions. Yeah. Um, and he's just kind of right now a footnote. Like he had a great run and he did you know his, his stuff but he just never will be remembered as one of the all-time greats it's a shame because I mean I think Terry could have been one of them and, um, and, and the thing is that you, you say NWA and WCW I got a feeling he's one of those guys that wouldn't have jumped ship he would no. have been like Sting he would have been you know like those, like all those you know the, the, the diehards that maybe would have gone over to WWF for a year but then he would have come back he always been an NWA guy you know, mm-hmm. he'd have been he'd have been one of those stalwart guys 
uh, defending against the New World Order. You know, one of the older generation guys. He yep. would have been teamed up with the, you know, with Flair and Anderson and Sting and Luger. You know, and he, maybe he wouldn't have been wrestling so much, but he'd be out there with them, kind of thing. Right. If, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean. I, again, a guy, like you said, just had, had again, and again, I don't mean to rank on Lex Luger, but again was a total package. Really yeah. was. Oh, and, yeah. And and just had, had all the upside in the world. And, you know, they say when you when you make plans, God laughs. And that that's exactly yeah. what happened to Magnum yeah. TA, unfortunately. Yeah. Is, it, it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, if, if you had thought about this, and this was always, though, like, what, what if Hogan hadn't jumped ship from the AWA? Or what if, what if Hogan, you know, in 85, right? Had uh, had maybe you know had a bad accident and broke his leg or something, and Hogan would have been out. There's always that talk. Who would you have brought in? Who you'd have brought in? Who you brought in? And and that's one of the things because Hogan was just so much bigger than life, and everyone's like, I mean, I always thought like, man, Super Billy Graham could have fit there, but he was kind of older. Magnum TA. Imagine instead of Hulkamania, Magnum TA being there, right? Yeah. It's different. It's not the same guy. I get it, but could you imagine Magnum working with Rodney Piper? Magnum working with the Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkov, like it would have worked so well because he was just, and again, he is so not Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> but man, he was a good looking guy. He had good size, good size, good looking guy. And yeah, he, he, and again, he looked like, he looked like someone who was on TV. <laughs> like he, when he would walk through something, you would look at him like, that guy's on TV. I know that guy. Yeah, and I know he was going for the Magnum, you know, PI kind of thing, but like you just kind of like, man, that guy, you know, and, and it's a it's a real shame, uh, and and it really is because I think, you know, he's his work with with uh, Nikita Koloff, um, notwithstanding, he he was really good, really really good, and it's a shame. It's a, I mean, it's it's a real shame. I think uh, um, I mean I I think back to like. Um, like like Bobby Shane, who was killed in a plane accident. Uh, I mean, Flair was in the plane accident, you know, kind of thing. And, and oh, thank God, you know, he didn't die. But the other guys who did perish, uh, the guys um, like Austin Idol survived it when, it when the plane crash happened in Florida. And killing, uh, the guys there, it, it's just like you look at these guys, you're like, okay, that guy could have been good. That guy could have been this, you know, you know, uh, kind of thing. And you're like, man, there's just such talent. And you're like, okay, and they and they they left too early. Magnum didn't you know obviously didn't perish here but good god you just watch the man going oh he just could have been you know so and think about that kurt henning would have been there at the right time for the end of magnum ta like he would have been, magnum ta was in wbf and he was their champion magnum versus henning for the belt mm-hmm. right there pay-per-view gold pay-per-view gold right there you know okay so well or that or even even rick rude i mean rick rude and and could you imagine Rude? I mean, because Rude did his thing, whatever. But Rude and uh, and Magnum together. I mean, just 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 good wrestlers, guys who knew what they were doing, you know. So anyway, all right, LP, you're up. Well, I'm gonna go with another uh, uh, NWA WCW guy who also made made quite an impact in the WWF for the short time he was there. And that, and again, another guy whose career unfortunately was cut short much too soon, and that is Flying Brian Pillman, who, oh, yeah. uh, to, again, one of the, you want to talk about a guy that could work babyface or heel, one of the greatest pure white knee babyfaces of all time, as Flying <laughs> Brian transitioned into, as far as I'm concerned, the innovator of the the, the true loose cannon gimmick, as. Mm-hmm. 
is he what you know what the the bending of reality into the story uh, aspect when he became the the rogue horseman and then the loose cannon in both ECW and uh, WWF. Um, Eric Bischoff tells the story that the whole idea with the rogue horseman slash loose cannon was that they were going to let him leave and go build his character up in ECW with the idea that he would then come back and instead yeah. he signed with Vince and <laughs> never they didn't quite get to do it. So. But, yeah, well, uh, you know why? Because because they let him out of his contract to go do it to make it yeah, look real. Right. They let him break his contract with WCW. He goes, yeah, it'll be good. I'll break my contract. Everyone thinks it's real. He worked them so hard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah. and, and a guy again. You talk about uh, got into a, a an accident in his Hummer and had his ankle fused yeah, and yeah, had yeah. to completely change his style. But was again just an av- uh, just a monster worker. And, uh, you know, really kind of paved the way for the, you know, what, what would eventually become the cruiserweight division in WCW really started with Brian Pillman back in the light heavyweight championship days. And one of the early contenders for the cruiserweight championship was Brian Pillman. Uh, that was one of the, he was one of the reasons that uh, Bischoff got the idea to bring in smaller guys from both Mexico and Japan because the idea being, well, if I get, you know, if you get a smaller guy against a bigger guy, people are going to not really buy it. But if get a smaller guy against a smaller guy, you know, that that's something that that would be more reasonable and we can we can work different types of matches. But Pillman, from his time, especially as a babyface, when he was in that, you know, that uh, late 80s, early 90s in WCW, just had great matches with everybody. Anyone he worked with, was a, yeah. he made them look great. Whether it was a bigger guy than him, a guy the same size as him, he made everyone look great, and he had, he had the looks, he had the charisma, he had the personality, and you know, in his era, the high flying moves that he did were just astounding. You know, yeah, oh yeah, the, yeah, the tornado DDT. Nobody in America did the tornado DDT at that time. You know, so uh, that that was just oh, and you and Flying Brian was coming out. It was going to be some exciting stuff. Um, did, didn't he and, and Jushin Liger? Uh, they they were they 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 battled over the light heavyweight champion. Yes, I want to say they did. Yeah, they did. And those matches, I'm trying to remember. I want to I want to say I, I it might have been a Starcade. I seem to remember them coming out to open the card, like it being the opening match. You know, the actual like I mean, obviously they had the dark match, and then I remember the two of them coming out and having a light heavyweight title match. Maybe it was in the finals or something. I'm just trying to remember, but it just was like, man, like that's where you set the bar to open with. Like the fans are like. Yeah, let's do this. You know, so. you always do. You got to get, you know, you got to get everybody hot when this come out, yeah. and that that was that was, uh, you know, he that that became the de facto way for the cruiserweights, and that again came from from yeah. Brian Pillman. But a yeah. guy again, again, this had had all the tools and had all the talent, and you, again, you could work him as a babyface, you could work him as a heel, and he worked really well in all those instances. You know, did some really even when he was on the shelf with his ankle did mm-hmm. some really memorable stuff. I mean, we, we still, I mean, I, I think they're banned from using the move nowadays, but there's a reason why we call it getting your ankle pilmanized. Pilmanized, yeah, pilmanizing, yeah. Pilmanize an they, ankle. They, well, they, they talk about doing it. They go, like, oh, he's going to pilmanize him. Like, you see someone put their put someone's foot inside a chair, Yeah. and they'll say it. I mean, I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know if Cole says it, but JBL definitely say it. Uh, you know, what's his face? Uh, Corey Graves will say it. Yeah. You're going to pilmanize him, and that's what it's from. Yeah. The, I, I, I just want to say one thing here. As, and I, I loved Flying Brian. I loved when he was a face, you know, and his heel work. The Hollywood Blondes oh, were yes. phenomenally good, and and not just in the ring. Oh God, they were so good. Like they they're, used, they're, 
they used to do yeah, the, they're, they're a, a vignettes. Flare, well, a flare for the old. Yes, a flare for the old. With with Steve Austin doing Ric Flair in yeah. a bathrobe, <laughs> I think. <laughs> but they were so good, and because because Pillman was crazy, and the great part about them as heels is they were badasses, but they had no problem. They they would go to chicken shit when they needed to, you know. Yeah. They'd be the chicken shit heel when they needed to, but they wrestled. Uh, it was them. And the team they wrestled was they had uh, matches with um, Steamboat and and Shane Douglas, and they were always the semi-main. And what happened was eventually they had to become the main event uh, because because the, the world the uh, whoever was champion didn't want to keep following them because they would do forty-five minutes a night, you know. And and it, it I think it speaks volumes again. And 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 whether you love. Uh, you know, uh, Dean uh, Shane Douglas or not, I'm, I I like Shane Douglas. I know a lot of people don't like Shane Douglas. When Shane Douglas and Ricky Steamboat were a team, they were great face. There was a great face tag team, but you bet the best face tag teams are only as good as the heel tag team making them. And Pillman and Austin as the Hollywood Blondes, holy crap, they were good. And it's a shame too if you think about it, because both of those guys were great singles wrestlers. But they could have been one of the best tag team run of all time, you know, like Midnight Express good. Yeah. You know, so. But, yeah, I, I um, always I, I always set the Pillman again. If if I mean, I don't know that it would have happened by the time he made it to WWF. But, you know, if he doesn't die when he does, is there a chance mm-hmm. that they work him in Austin and in a main event feud? Mm-hmm. He wins the belt off Austin. I mean, it's all it's one of those what ifs, you know. Uh, well, especially I, after the, especially after him supposedly trying to kill Austin in his house, and yeah, Pillman, there's just Pill, there was, Pillman's got a gun. Yeah, the the great oh man, you know when you're when you're watching this live, yeah, you know, and it's like I I, I know the name of the show was Get Back to the Wrestling, but damn, that was compelling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, here. Oh. All right. Um, let's see. I think I got one more in the tank here. Uh, it was a name dropped a little while ago, but uh, British Bulldog. I mean, that's when he, he burst on. Wasn't, oh. wasn't he champion? Uh, you sure? Did he? I don't. I don't know if he was. Not the, did he mm, beat? Uh, who would he would have beat? He, uh, uh, Michaels. No, he was European champion. Yeah. I thought did, did he, he he never won the WCW title, did he? I don't. No, he did. So. I don't think well, so. You're good, hero. An accomplishment. All right. Uh, he was the Intercontinental <laughs> Champion, the European Champion, Tag Team Champion, and. No, he was the British Commonwealth mid heavyweight champion up in. Oh Stampede. well, of course, that's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> You're good, hero. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it, tr- tracking off of the heel guys. I mean, every, everybody fucking loved the, the British Bulldog. I mean, come on. It, that's he. And he could work in the ring. You you liked listening to him talk. He he had what you would traditionally think of as a, a face champion. You know. He had the, the gimmick, he had the look, he was a big dude. I'm surprised that Vince never put the belt on him. Yeah, he's yeah. A, you gotta figure if they had ever if they had ever made a serious push into the United Kingdom, he'd have been their top guy. You well know? they 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 really liked they, they he won the European title. Um no not not the European he won the European title at one point there, but he won the I C belt off of Brett at, at Wembley Stadium. Stadium. Yeah. Which was that's pretty freaking big, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's huge. I I think I think the issue with the British Bulldog always was this, is that he just his interviews just weren't because his accent. I mean, well, you could kind of you definitely could understand him. He just I mean, he wasn't Ahmed Johnson, you know, crackers in my mouth bad, but like 
his interview, his interview just wasn't, you know, right there. And remember, he, you can't, it's very hard when you want to start, you know, going, you know, in interview stuff and you're competing with Shawn Michaels. I mean, again, I know Luke yeah. may not love Shawn Michaels, but man, could Shawn Michaels talk. Shawn, Mike, Shawn Michaels he, could talk. I'll, I'll always give talk. him that. Always could talk. And he, and he certainly yeah. could talk in Vince McMahon's ear. That's why he won the European Championship over Bulldog in, I'm pretty sure, in the United Kingdom. So. Yeah, well. <laughs> Well, see, that's the thing. All you have to do is you just pull out Matilda, and she'll do all the talking for you. <laughs> I love, you know, people love dogs. She was yeah. awesome. <laughs> you know what's really funny is, and, and and people think about like the British Bulldog, and they, like a lot of people remember him with the, you know that way he's really jacked out of his skull, and the you know with the, with the dreadlocks, or when he came back wearing the really tight jeans and the you know crew the cut, short haircut. Yeah, is he used to be like a, like a middleweight kind of guy. When he was part of the, the British Bulldogs with Dynamite Kid, and people remember Dynamite Kid as being this, and Dynamite Kid's phenomenal. If if you want to, if you go back and watch Dynamite Kid and Tiger Mask, the stuff they did in Japan, or t- Dynamite, in fact, there are matches from Japan that, that I have here. Dynamite Kid versus uh, Davy Boy Smith, just phenomenal matches, and most don't, no one even knows it. No one even has an idea because they think of Davy Boy Smith, and you think of you know, being part of Sting, you know, Sting's crew of guys in WCW with the with the really with the really long hair, being part of the Hart Foundation later on with Bret Hart when you know, it was it was the anti-American movement, you know. But his early early stuff that you know is not often seen. He just he was a great wrestler. But I think again, what hurt him most was uh, his size when he was younger because he wasn't huge and then he got huge, you know, kind of thing. And but he was huge at the wrong time, you know. I think. It was you were kind of getting into the Bret Hart's and the Shawn Michaels and the and and let's be honest, the Click was very powerful, and uh, Davy Boy wasn't part of that. Although he, uh, to be honest, he was fucking sunny. So hey, good for him. Yeah, but a lot of guys you know? were doing that, you know. Well, the thing was this: <laughs> everyone thought it was Bret who was fucking sunny, and it wasn't. It was Davy Boy, yeah. and Davy Boy rode. And this this is what this is one of the things. I mean. I, I, I love Chris Candido, and, 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 and it's a shame that he died, and I really feel bad because he was taken advantage of a lot of it, but sometimes I wonder if he was how much of him just not wanting to see it. Yeah. Davey rode with them. He rode with Sonny and Chris forever, and Sonny was just fucking him. And I'm like, God damn it, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> like, like I, I, just, I just don't want to hear any I, – I hate hearing stuff like that, you know, and, and not, not hearing it like someone's – it's Sonny saying it. So as well, I was doing, you know – I mean, I mean, we all know she shacked up with Sean, and Sean Michaels wanted to marry her, and then they were like, "I'm not sure." And then they break up, and then and then Sean, Ma- Sean Michaels meets the Nitro girl, marries her, and you know whatever, and that's all, whatever. But it's like you know, you just you know, you feel bad for Candido, but so, but that aside, you know, kind of thing, you know, whether he was you know, you know, having you know sunny days ahead or not, um, you know, Davy Boy Smith, just talent, just a lot of talent right there. You want to talk so. about? The reason why, in my mind, Smith and Michaels are always linked is that one Royal Rumble. Oh, they were yeah. One and two. Oh, and you yeah. Want to just a great performance yeah. for a guy his size at that time, also. He's not, yeah. a, I mean, he was the biggest, he was one of the biggest guys in the match, yeah. and he went over an hour. And, yeah. and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't powdered out of the ring or anything either, you know. He was, he was no, out no. there working. No, he, he's no Roman Reigns in it, right? No there, Roman Reigns. And, <laughs> and he also had one of my favorite um, uh, moments ever in a match he wasn't even wrestling in. Which was Bret Hart versus Bob Backlund for the world title yes. at Survivor Series when he is the second in the, the throw in the towel match. 
Yeah. And he is chasing Owen Hart around the ring and brained himself on the steps. Yes. And knocked himself kayfabe unconscious yes. for like 20 minutes. Remember, Owen yes. is like shoving him out of the way at one point. Yes. Yeah, he, he's out. He's pretty much... Go look at it. There's brain damage happening when he hits the... You know? So... The match there, also there, has Owen Hart cleaning his ear at one point. Owen Hart looking yes. on. Yes. <laughs> oh, that was the greatest oh. match ever. It just yeah. Bob Backlund oh. and, and Stu Hart and Helen Hart and throwing in the towel and Arnold yeah. Scotland. Oh, man. That's... But, um, we, yeah. Would you, you want to do another round of them, or do we want to just start throwing some names out? I'm just going to start throwing some names out here, just just some, some quick hitters. I mean, I'm going to put one out there, one of my favorites, Paul Orndorff. I oh, mean, yeah. again, a guy that worked babyface. To be here. honest, I, I Paul Orndorff, he actually he won. He did win because his feet did His hit feet first. did touch first, but it was never recognized. <laughs> Yes, uh, I that's agree. Saturday night's main event, but uh, you know, again, I love it. They keep showing in review. Yeah. It's like we can clearly see Orndorff on the ground first, Hulk. Yeah. Way not to drop down, you know. <laughs> I tell you what, they did a much better job of that than when they did that in what was that? The Royal Rumble with Cena and oh. Batista. Yes. Is that it? Yeah. Uh, Dave fucking Batista. Batista. But anyway, you know, it's funny. Paul Haley, calls the, Haley, Haley tries not to. She knows that's what you call him. She goes, Dave. Batista. Dave Batista. She, she old man Batista. Old man Batista. Like she yeah. wants to say Dave fucking Batista. Sorry. I, I love how now everybody loves Batista because he plays Drax. It's like y'all hated him just yeah, like the I, rest of us before yeah. that. But anyway, I don't want to talk about Batista. God knows I don't want to talk about Dave falling my <laughs> ass bomb Batista. But uh, no, but but Paul Orndorff again, a guy that had. Uh, you know, you you want to talk about if Hogan had to couldn't make it and couldn't be that yeah. role? Poor Orndorff would have been the one yeah. that Vince would have tapped on the shoulder and said, "You're going to be the man, Mister Wonderful." You know, so that you again, just a one one of the one of the best as far as of the look alone. I mean, Mister Wonderful had such a great look and a great presence in the ring, and yeah. I, he was always one of my favorites. That and uh, his line on that one Saturday Night's Main Event: "Hulkamania dies tonight." Always stuck with me. Tonight! Yeah. You know, you gotta literally bite that line, yeah. So. Uh, so let, me, let me throw another one out here. Um, uh, actually, it's, uh, uh, well, they're brothers. Uh, um, Kevin and David Von Erich. Yeah. Right? I mean, Kerry Von Erich, I mean, Kerry Von Erich won the world title, so he can't make this list, but Kerry Von Erich, you know, makes the kind of. Kerry Von Erich had the look to be the, the Hulk Hogan place. The problem was. He just didn't have any. I mean, I love Kerry Von Erich, but Kerry Von Erich had a lot of demons and not a lot of brains all the time working for him. Um, David Von Erich, unfortunately, again, whether you believe he, could, you know, he he overdosed on drugs or he was sick or whatever you might believe, David Von Erich, I have a feeling, was supposed to be in line eventually to be world champion. It, that was supposed to be his spot. That Kerry eventually got the belt. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and to be honest, I mean, you're a huge Kevin Von Erich fan. Like oh, yeah. I know that, but. Yeah, he was Kevin Von Erich, man, was just so ahead of his time. You know? Yeah, yeah. again, m- much like Pillman, he was ahead of his time yeah. with the way that he worked, but again, he could also work against anybody. You know, he could go mm-hmm. in there against Iceman Parsons or uh, Michael P.S. Hayes or you know anybody that he yeah. would work against. And, and John Tatum. Yeah, yeah. or yeah, I mean, any of those yeah. guys in, in world class, and no matter what the matchup was, he made, he looked good and he made his opponent look great. You know, yeah, a, yeah, and, and Kevin Vonner, he was on my list as well. And just a, you know, just an av- one of the, a great guy. And, you know, I, I they, I was glad, I was glad to see him a couple of years ago at the Hall of Fame ceremony for the Freebirds. 
to come mm-hmm. out there and see that he that Kevin's still doing okay. You know that uh, that that the demons that have really haunted his family haven't haven't ruined him yet, and that I, I wish him all the best and continued uh, continued health and happiness, and that that the wrestling industry maybe can give something back to him at some point since it's taken so much from him. Right. But exactly. yeah, but Kevin Kevin Von Erich may actually be my favorite babyface of all time. Just just a great great white knee oh, baby yeah. face guy yeah. and yeah. and you know and i and i say this and I, I i say i don't root for baby face and i keep coming with examples but most of them are heels that became baby faces <laughs> you yeah. know the von, like, okay, well the thing is the von erics though like they were different kind of thing oh they like, were they were rock stars man they were, I mean, they, were rock they were beyond stars. rock stars i mean i, I mean I, I swear to god like they had to have sex 12 to 13 times walking to the ring each <laughs> one of them because i mean <laughs> Like, I mean, and the thing is, the Sportatorium was this little podunk, piece of shit, disgusting place, but it fucking looked like the only place you wanted to be on a Friday night, yeah, you know, because yeah. everyone, everyone in Denton, Texas was there, so, <laughs> anyway, um, just, and, and I know we had talked about this off air, well, Hero, you had one, a guy you hadn't mentioned yet, you had him on your list, this is the first guy you said to us. Oh, Jesus, I can't even remember now. Ted DiBiase. Ted DiBiase. Oh, yes, yes. Million dollar man. Now, I, making I have... his summer home in Hyannis Port, Massachusetts. <laughs> um, DiBiase Best intro act- ever. Yeah. DiBiase was actually in line to win the world title. Um, and there's a rumor that he was going to be champion. And what happened was, and again, this is, this is hearsay and whatever, but he was working Mid-South. He was working for Bill Watts. And it had been said to him, hey, kid, you know, you're going to wind up. It was at the, the, you know, the National Convention you're going to be the next world champion. And the rumor is that he had mentioned it to somebody. It got out there that, hey, I'm going to be the next world champion. Maybe not even him bragging, just it got out there. And the committee said, mm, I don't know if we can trust him. And they didn't give him the belt. And to me, Ted DiBiase, black glove Ted DiBiase, not million, millionaire man Ted DiBiase, it's a very different animal. Black glove Ted DiBiase, you know, um, Mid-South, Ted DiBiase, man, what a good worker. And what a great character. And he could have been, he's the guy, you got him coming into Florida, and let's say he's wrestling, uh, you know, whoever their top guy, Dusty Rhodes. Man, you could see Dusty Rhodes just not beating him, right? Or he goes into, into uh, you know, Louisville, and Jerry the King Lawler, oh, man, you know, if he hadn't loaded the glove, the King would have won, you know? Like, he fits that NWA champion. Now, Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, is a very different animal. And technically, Ted DiBiase, wasn't he technically champion? Because it, it, Andre, it's, it's, not, it's not recognized. Right, because Andre handed him the belt. What I'm saying is, like, so that right there, I think, speaks volumes about how good this was. He never was champion. He was in the finals against Savage in a match where you're like, man, I'm fucking... I mean, I, I mean everyone kind of knew Savage was going to win, but... It could have been Ted DiBiase. They, they, they could have. I mean, you never know. <laughs> you know. So yeah. no, but and, and a guy that worked again. And it, it, we've we've talked about this a couple of times. The difference between being a heel in the NWA or WCW yeah, and being a heel in WWF. How I mean, how many years was he either one of or the absolute top heel in that company? Oh sure, sure. How many years? And he never got the gold. Not even, except buying it, which again, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, didn't yes. count. We watched that live. That was just bananas. My God, watching Wait, that live. Well, I, I don't, I don't know. Did, did you, did you see that hero when that happened on that Friday night on the main event? On the main event. Uh, Friday night's main when, event. When, yeah, when, when he got when, the million dollar belts. No, no, no. When Andre 
pins Hogan, gets his shoulder up clean, and there's a, there's Earl and Dave Hebner, and there's there's the second referee. Oh, and the then, twin referee thing. Yes. And he hands him the belt, and that's Luke, how it went off the air. Luke and I, Luke and I are watching this with my dad, and my dad goes, "There's twin, re- there's referee. What are they going to referee's going to have a fight now?" That's what dad said, right? Yeah. <laughs> and what happens? The Hebner and and the Hebner start battling each other, and he turns and hands him the belt, and. I mean, man okay, is melting down at ringside. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not it's not it's not Andre ripping the cross off of Hogan, but it's up there, right? With oh my god, I mean, you had to see that coming. Like everyone's like, oh, I saw that coming. Like I don't know. No. Like I kind of saw it coming that like he's going to give it to him, but who would have figured? Like you just felt so cheated, and that's the that's the shame. My daughter watches wrestling. She loves watching wrestling, but like she knows it's a work. Like at six years old, she knows it's a work. Yeah. At six years old, I kind of knew it wasn't a hundred percent on the level like boxing, but then did it little that I know oh, that boxing well. work. Yeah. No, no. But at the time, Mike Tyson was champion, and let's face it, Mike Tyson going to murder you. Like he gonna he 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 gonna kill a he gonna kill a motherfucker. That's You're lucky if he murders you. Yeah. 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 Right. If he eats yeah. you. That's a different story. Yeah. Well, that's later, Mike Tyson. Um, well. What I'm saying is, you know, so you, I mean. We're a little older than that at the time, and it just like it just shocked you. And now I feel like there's nothing that shocks you anymore. Like I mean, something that shocks you is like was like it's a botch. Like holy crap, that wasn't yeah. supposed to happen. That guy yeah. he yeah. blew out. You know, <laughs> Vince blew up both quads. Oh my god, you know, kind of thing. Like you know, but I I just I just miss I miss that idea like that like it's kind of like do you ever see those videos online? People like I'm showing my kids Empire. Here's where they reveal you know that Darth yeah. Vader is you know, and it's like. The kids are like, what? That like sense of wonder that just like, oh my, like, I just don't know if you have that anymore. The last they're time. Not, they're not going to take those chances, though. There's, there's too much money involved. Yeah. What I'm saying is that like, even, I mean, I, and I'm, I'm not saying it has to be anything crazy, but like, is is there anything like, to I'm trying to remember. You, the, the, the last time I remember seeing something that to me was a shocking way like that to end a show. We're going back a few years here. When the Nexus debuted, and they destroyed not oh, only yeah. John Cena and CM Punk, and then destroyed the ring and the set, and then and then uh, yeah, and yeah. then you know, Daniel Bryan choking Tony Chimmel with his tie, and he's gone. Get him out of here. That guy will never amount to anything. He's too little. Look at him. But uh, you know, <laughs> he's, he certainly is never going to bang one of the Bella twins. And you know, no. by the and, way, congratulations and, and, to uh, Daniel yeah. Bryan and uh, Brie, Bella, Brie Bella, the birth of their yeah. their daughter. Earlier this week, I, uh, yeah, I have to wonder. During conception, do you think he yelled yes, yes, yes? I, I can only hope so. Or did yes, she yell yes, 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 yes? No, I think it was Daniel. I think it was <laughs> probably. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not saying this is for, for fact, but I would not be surprised if Bree was on her phone. So, <laughs> well, the, actually, the one yes, I, yes, you're done. Thank you. The okay, one I, now the one I the one I saw today is that Birdie's first word is going to be yes. But the first sentence she's going to say is, come on, Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, um, uh, but, but any, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, something like that where it was, cause it was breaking the norms, you know, that, that one broke the idea that it's, you know, we, cause we're used to seeing the ring and the set as a constant, you know, mm-hmm. and, and to tear it down like that was, was especially for a lot of the younger fans was upsetting because it's like, well, wait a minute. That's, you're not supposed to see that. That's how the sausage is made, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, something like that, a, a swerve like that. I mean, you got to go back to, 
you know, the Monday Night Wars when you got stuff like that. Yeah. You know, yes. and it's like shot. You had to you had to swerve people because the, that you had to. That was how you booked it. You know, it's yeah. like who's going to turn this week? You know, who's going to turn on WCW and join the NWO? You know, who's going to? Who? What is Vince going to do to to get Steve Austin this week? What is Austin going to do to outspark Vince? You know, is he yeah. going to pull out a beer truck and you know, spray everybody down? Well, I, I'll be honest with you. The, the the one I think of, and it's it's ECW, and they always had a special guest at the at the you know the ECW arena shows. When the lights go off and they come on and Jerry Lawler, Jerry in the Lawler, ring. yep, and you're like, oh god! Like, remember we watched this? We we're watching the tape and Dad's watching. He goes, huh? What's Lawler doing there? <laughs> now, Dad is not Dad is not a wrestling fan at all, but he knows who Jerry Lawler is and he knows that he's not supposed to be there because Dad went to ECW with us. Yeah, Dad went to the the fright fight. Yes, the he most did. one of the best shows we've ever been to in our entire lives. <laughs> and he's like, this is insane. He goes, this was a great three hours, you know. <laughs> And then, then Bob's, Bob's one of Bob's favorite parts of the whole night. We went to like uh, McDonald's afterwards, and they had uh, like thirty-nine cent cheeseburgers yeah. and whatever. Right? It was like it was a big. It was, it was at Halloween time. It was actually on Halloween. And he goes, "You hungry?" And Bob's goes, "Yeah, I could eat." And Bob's looking at his wallet. Dad's like, "I got this, right?" <laughs> and we ordered like forty cheeseburgers or something nice. crazy. Like, like at least at least it was twenty-five. I want to say it was probably twenty-five. Uh, because it was Luke, myself, Bob, and Dad, right? It's four of us. So Bob's like, what are we going to do with those cheeseburgers? Luke goes, we're going to eat them, right? (laughs) And we sat there, and the girl goes, are you sure? And he goes, yeah, we're freaking hungry. And we polished them off. We're in Stanford, Connecticut, down the street from Titan Towers, um, after watching one of the greatest ECW live shows ever, and just just great time. But, you know, that, the, 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 when Jerry Lawler comes out, and then he'll get that guy, get him. And then the lights go off after he hit Tommy Dreamer in the balls and actually yeah. ruptured his testicles. Oh. The, the light comes on, and who's standing there but Jim fucking Cornette. Yeah. And the crowd goes insane. Now, there's a whole story behind that and how that all happened with Dennis Carluzzo and the whole everything else that had to happen and then, then getting fucked and the whole nine, right? But – Oh my God. That's one of the last times I can remember being like, what? Like, like I seriously had no idea that was going to happen. No. You know, because let's be honest, do you know when they decided it was going to happen? Morning up. Because Candido called Cornette and said, can you do me a favor? Blah, blah, blah. And, and he goes, I don't, and Cornette said, I don't want to be paid. I don't want anything. I just want, uh, Heyman to bury the hatchet with Corluzo and let them use talent. And, uh, Heyman sent a limo. And picked up Corluzo and Jimmy Cornette because he was working for Vince at the time and took him to Morton's Steakhouse and he held him outside. He comes outside. And he goes, all right, you know, we don't want to bring you in, Jim. It's going to be a big surprise. He, he shakes hands with, uh, you know, um, with Carluzo and goes, bygones. Okay. Everything's good. He goes, ready? And he brings Jimmy in, in the dark in an arena he's never seen without his glasses on. And he gets in the ring and he realizes, he goes, shit, you're hurt to dreamer. So that's why he starts hitting somebody else. Yeah. And and they rush Jimmy out the back door, and Heyman goes thank you and slaps a, an envelope in his hand, shoves him in the limo, and they speed away. And then the, and the envelope was like like three thousand dollars. And what happens the next day? Heyman says, "Fuck, fuck Coluzo. He went back on his deal and whatever." And, and he just badmouths the whole thing, which is one of those crazy things. You really, we, again, you learn how the sausage is made. I'm like, oh, that kind of ruins the whole thing. You know, I thought it was just a really cool thing, but it's like that was shocking. But there's no shocking anymore. There's no shocking. So um, I just want to throw a couple more names out here, um, you know, kind of thing. 
and I'm not going to say all of them. I had a couple. I mean, a couple guys. I know Luke had Scott Hall on his Scott list, Hall, as yep. did I. Scott Hall. I mean, it's hard to believe he never was world champion, but he wasn't. Well, he was always. Just a, well, Scott Hall was always around when Kevin Nash was there and Hulk Hogan yeah, was no, there. I so, know. No, no, so it's like, well, of those three, he's the odd I'm, man out, you know. I'm saying he never he never won the belt for like like a night or something yeah, like he that. He never just, like cheated Goldberg out of the belt or something. Yeah. Right. I mean, he did, but didn't get it. Um, another name, Junkyard Dog. I mean, yeah. JYD. I mean, the problem is JYD was always second banana to Hogan. But, man, was fucking JYD a monster? He was so over as the, <laughs> yeah, in, in Mid-South. Man, was he over in Mid-South. And, you know, just great. And um, the thing is, you know, it, it's such cognitive dissonance for me watching his Mid-South stuff. Because uh, I yeah. grew up as JYD being, you know... Junkyard, this country never had yeah. no king. This country never yeah. had no queen. And, no queen. and the only person that the JYD bow down to <laughs> is the good Lord above. Yes. So yeah. you know, <laughs> so him so watched the, his you know his his blood soaked matches in mid south. You're like oh, JYD, God. what happened? <laughs> yeah, there, there's a great DVD set. I just got the Blu-ray of it because I got it super cheap used on Amazon. Uh, you know, it went through the link and everything. Um, WWE put out, and it's a shame it doesn't have the sheep herder match on it in, oh, in the best, cage. Best of Big South. Best of Mid South. Oh yeah. my god, what a freaking! And it's and it's a good little documentary that goes with it. They tell it throughout the matches. Man, is that good? <laughs> so, uh, a couple other names here, real quick. Dean Malenko, the possibly one of the best yeah. wrestlers ever. Um, I think his his big problem was he was small. He was, and, he well, he, and not even that he was small. He was short. I think was more the because you yeah, yeah. Well, you, you, know, you could get yeah, a you know you could, a guy like I said I would more a guy like Pillman wasn't was a light guy, but he he looked he he, he could stand eye to yeah. eye with people. Dino was just he was on the shorter side, so like yeah. he that's why he worked so well with the guys that he did like uh, the Rey Mysterios and Ultimo Dragons, you know, and guys like that. Yeah. So. Dino well, is Guerrero was a great. Guerrero and Benoit, none of them, none of them were really tall, to be honest. Yeah, right. Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah, you know yeah. what's funny is you mentioned Dean Malenko. One guy that he had an incredible series of matches with on Monday Night Show is on my list, and that's Lord Stephen Regal, aka yeah. William, William, William Regal, Regal for WWE fans. Yeah. I want to talk about a guy that you know just uh, every time that he stepped into the ring, you were going to be entertained with a solid you know, well-done professional wrestling match. Mm -hmm. And he had probably the greatest facial expressions in the history of the business. Uh, really up there. Uh, yeah. You could just, you could just picture him, his look of disgust. Well, <laughs> as the Regal as TV champion was great. Oh, he, and, just you know, how he would always, constantly, go, always a yeah. 15 minute time limit draw. Yes. He <laughs> would cheat his way to keep in the belt. And just so he just, people just hate him. He was a great deal. Yeah. And, and I think his role now in NXT, where he's the commissioner, works so well because he's so respected. Yeah, you know, and he and he what, did a he did a great stint in the old NXT as the commissioner as well. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he he had a little program going on with uh, Tyler Rex and Kurt Hawkins, a couple of mm -hmm. names nobody's mentioned in a while, but yeah, <laughs> but, not 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 even their family. Yeah. Oh, jeez. I love uh, Kurt Hawkins. He's got a great gimmick. He goes to places, he works for five minutes, he gets paid. I mean, what do you, What else can you want, you know? Yeah. Everybody knows when he's out there he, that, that somebody cool is going to come out and beat him up. That's know? right. <laughs> so, uh, Another one, just, just real quick, another yeah. name, I think, that you know, and, and again, a kind of a contemporary of William Regal, kind of in that way, Arn Anderson. Yeah. Arn, maybe one of the best wrestlers of his generation that – People forget about. I mean, not things they forget about, but people are like, "Oh yeah, Arn." Yeah. Oh, everybody, oh yeah. Well, everybody remembers Arn Anderson because everybody you know knows that you know if you mess with Flair, you got Anderson. 
and yeah. that. But Anderson would also he could hold he always held his own in every match he was in. But he was a guy that again never needed the world title because that wasn't his role. And yeah. you know would uh, would we have bought Arn Anderson as a world champion? Absolutely, because years and years of being conditioned to see that when the enforcer got in the ring, he was all business. But that wasn't his. He was another. He was another his, great television champion. Yeah, he, he, he was took the belt off of Stephen Regal, didn't he? I don't know. I mean, he was TV champion when, when the Horsemen had their gold. I mean, he he was part. He, he was TV champion for a, a run in there. He was great as a TV champion. Yeah, because he because it was no bullshit. Like it was Arn Anderson ring just kicking the crap out of somebody, you know, for fifteen yeah. minutes. So. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but Anderson again, it what just wasn't it wasn't in the yeah. Enforcer's character yeah. to be the world champion, you know, because yeah. the Horsemen exist to promote Ric Flair, and, yeah. and that was well. that was his role. And but I think he did it so well. See, to me, Anderson is one of those guys that a lot of guys nowadays could learn from. Oh, you know, the, 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 uh, there, there's, you know, this idea that, okay, well, I'm not the top guy. Well, I, I must not be getting anything. You must not be getting anywhere. It's like, well, no, you've got to find your niche. Mm-hmm. And, and Anderson had his niche and he worked that his entire career. Yeah. 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 He, he was, he was a guy that you knew was going to give you a solid hard hitting match every single time. And that he could give you a promo that was very to the point. Wasn't a lot of flowery language. We don't wear white hats. We're not nice guys. Yeah. Well, he would say like, "You know me, and you know what I do." Yeah. And it's like, God damn, is that good? It's a like, lot better that's... than I don't know what a House of Horrors match is, but I got a feeling I'm gonna find out. It's like, thank you, <laughs> Randall thank you, thank Orton Jr. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I got another another name on the list. Uh, Nikita Koloff. We mentioned him before with Magnum TA, but Nikita Koloff. He stepped into Magnum's spot when he got hurt. Um, feuds, his feud with Magnum TA could have been like, that could have been over the world title for Christ's sake. I mean, they could have been that just phenomenal. Um, just want to throw a couple more names out here real quick. Um, Bob Orton Jr. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I know cowboy Bob Orton, people like, Oh, Ace Orton, Bob Orton Jr. Was a phenomenal wrestler before he was Ace Orton. He had a great tag team with Dick Slater. One of the best tag teams that you probably never heard of. Dick Slater was on my list as a guy as well. Just one of the, just a great bruiser. Just a guy that you know again was you didn't you, you knew that if the crowd rioted, having Dick Slater on your side was probably in your best interest. Oh you know? sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know another guy, Bobby Eaton. Fucking Bobby Eaton's so yep. good. But he, but again, he's a tag team guy. We, and, we've and now, yeah, we've also now name dropped both halves of the Blue Bloods. Yes. Well, we've actually we've actually hit most of the Dangerous Alliance too. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> uh, you know kind of thing. So what I'm saying, but he was just a great, great guy. I mean, I, you know, I mean, again, and everyone always said what a, what a great person he is. Um, you know, no one ever has a bet, and no one ever is like, oh, I hate Bobby. They're like, Bobby is the best guy in the world. He could have his way for people, but just a great wrestler. He made guys look good. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that was so hard was like people get into Road Warriors and and, and like people like the Road Warriors come down like you just shit your pants because the road like holy crap, let them come. But Stan and Bobby made the Road Warriors look like a million bucks. Because instead of like just like getting slammed, getting picked up, getting slammed, getting picked up, they would take the big move and slide out of the ring yeah. or, you know, grab whatever. They always made it so that the Road Warriors had a move. So they didn't look just like it wasn't just same stand, you know, slam, pick up, slam, pick up. And it made them look good. Yeah. Um, one, I just, I just want to, I got a couple, a couple here. One more I want to throw out. Mask Superstar, Bill Eady. Bill Eady, yeah. Phenomenal. Again, That's... never needed the belt. Never needed it. The Mask Superstar was just so over. Um, and it's funny, you, uh, we, we, one of the guys we, we kind of mentioned before, Big John Stud was Big mass John superstar Stud. number two. Yep. Can you imagine that team 
right? Can you imagine? Okay, so here we go. You have Bill Eady as as the mass superstar, and he brings in mass superstar number two, who's Big John Stud. It's like the machines, yeah. right? <laughs> Where'd that idea come from? I wonder. You know, yeah. so it's not um, Moondog Rex, right? So that was yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, John, Big John Stud was on my list as well. Again, just you know, he he always. He just never, never, you know, he was a guy that was always, you know, when Big John Stubb was around, he there was a good chance he was going to win, but it, it was in the wrong era, you know. It was Hogan was a champion, and that was the law. You know, that was it. Yeah. The only other guy I have on the list that's worth mentioning here, and it's one of Luke's all-time favorite guys, Owen Hart. Owen Hart, yep. Um, you know, Owen Hart, I mean, and, and again, I think everyone knows how tragic that is, and we don't have to rehash how amazing tragic it was, his, his, you know, losing him. Um, but Owen Hart was supposed to be the game. And I think that just knowing that, like having, I mean, it's not that I heard that from one person. I've heard that on like numerous different shoot interviews, numerous different things. Owen Hart was supposed to be the game. That is just insane. That's Owen Hart, man. Yeah. yeah, dude, because he could have been, because Owen Hart was so good. And yet he, I mean, and, and, and you know, people are like, well, he was the blue blazer. It's like, yeah, you remember that shit. But like, you just had to look at him. You could just tell he was so he wrestled. He wrestled his style to fit what you were doing. That shows a great hand. Mm-hmm. And I think we've talked about this. There's and, and we we all talk about this, but there's difference between being a great wrestler and being a great worker. Right. Right. And I think the the people who could do both, and I think Owen Hart falls in that category, of being a great wrestler and a great worker. Those guys are few and far between. We have great wrestlers. We have great wrestlers. Dean Malenko is a great wrestler. He might not be the greatest worker because of his, he doesn't really put great area interview or whatever, whatever, but he's always been a great wrestler, but he could really work. And he had a good work rate. I think Owen Hart just next level. You know, Owen Hart and, and like Pillman and um, I'm trying to remember, they were all together. That's part of that Hart Foundation. You know, they yeah. were all together. Remember? Yep. Well, yeah. It was just such just great stuff and the thing with owen again i talked about this earlier is that if you had if he had to work comedy he was great if he had to work serious he was great you know one of the one of the to me one of the most just pure emotional moments from you know when watching wrestling growing up is owen and brett reconciling during that heart foundation the the heel heart foundation run in when, when yeah. he was feud, when Brett was feuding with Shawn Michaels, after they had been enemies for so long at that point, I mean, mm-hmm. just years and years, the, of of Owen saying, you know, all you had to do was reach out and tag me, Brett. All you had to do was reach out and tag me, and so he could mm-hmm. work the serious stuff, but then he could go out there and carry his slammies and just you know play pranks on people and be funny, and you know, and again, just a guy that Brett would be would is always the first one to put over Owen for his in-ring ability and his work rate. And, you know, he he, he could work with, he, he worked great with Davey Boy Smith, he worked great with Jim Neidhart, with Yokozuna. Anybody that he was te- teamed up with, he, he made, and anybody he worked against, he made their their stuff better. And, yeah. you know, could, Owen being, I, to, to this day, I, I love that Owen beat Bret Hart at WrestleMania 10. Um, I, I want to say that was by Brett's request, if I remember correctly. Yes, yeah, yeah. That, that he wanted... At least any, any, any story we've ever heard has yeah. always been Brett saying, no, put him over. Put him over this because... Will make this. Well, yeah. the other thing was that it was a twofold thing. First off, obviously, it puts over Owen Hart 
mm-hmm. and then it made Brett uh, coming out and and winning the belt later that much more epic for Brett. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, I, I I mean Owen Hart obviously deserved it. Would he have ever made it had he had had uh, you know had it, had he not died? Would he have become world champion? It's a tough call because if let's say he does become the game, let's say instead of Triple H, he becomes a cerebral assassin and he gets that spot in the main event. And you know what's funny with Triple H? We all just to say, oh yeah, Triple H in the main event. We all just kind of buy it. Well, remember when Triple H became the Cerebral Assassin? Uh-huh. Nobody bought it. We all said, uh-huh. "Wait a minute! The head, the guy who was out here, you know, uh, you know, uh, simulating oral sex last week with China, he's now the Cerebral Assassin. He's going to kill people with a sledgehammer. Nobody bought it. And so, you would you have had the? But but he did it so well that we eventually caught on to it. Yeah. No. Well, his he when he when he first came back, the when he came down. And they had the the new music, yeah. and he spit the water for the first time. You're like, well, this is intense. Like yeah. you were like, okay, like I'm willing to buy this right now. But like it just was again, yeah. I mean, how can you go from being the sophomore DX, you know, members with you know China and Michaels and whatever, and now we're supposed to buy him as this total badass? But again, I think that's, I think we wanted to buy him. I mean, not necessarily everybody, but I think people wanted him to be a badass. Yeah. You know, he looked the part. I mean, and, and it's it's just, it's, you know, the things that could have been and what, you know, what was like, what was the plan and then things get changed and, you know, th- things happen. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I th- to me, I think Owen would have been rewarded with the title run. It might not have been long, but I think, I think Austin would have, especially if he was working against Austin, I think Austin would have said, you got to give it to him. You got to. Because he works too hard not to. You know what I'm saying? Yep. At some point, it's it's just about rewarding a guy and giving him a shot. Because, again, it's not that Owen wasn't making good money because he was. And especially if you're working on the top, you're making really good money. But well, that, it's that just – Yeah, that, I mean, you know, that was why he didn't leave. When everybody mm-hmm. else left after the Montreal screw job, he didn't leave because he said, I can't I, – I need mm-hmm. the money that I'm making right now for the family. And that mm-hmm. was why he stayed and had to deal with all the fallout from that, basically getting buried by – by Shawn Michaels every week, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I was friends with a guy back in college who was a huge Owen Hart guy, and he used to, the the term nugget drove him so insanely Ugh. angry. It's like we get it. You already screwed his brother, okay? You you've you've uh, you know you lied about his brother for years, and now you're going to basically bury Owen be, to feed to uh, feed your own gigantic ego after you've already won. That right. that was one of the things that always turned me off about Shawn Michaels, and now you know, oh, we we have to love him because he found God. But it's like, well, I'm not going to get into that. I'm just I'm just going to go on a rant. But well, but yeah. isn't 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 that doesn't remind you of the line from um uh from uh, from Dust Till Dawn? Are you so much of a loser that you can't see when you've won? Yeah. And it, it again, and I'm I mean, Luke will tell you, I I love Shawn Michaels. I mean, I'm a DX guy, whatever. I loved all that stuff. That none of that stuff ever sat well with me. There was no reason to be picking on, you know, in, instead of just doing, doing business. You okay, you won. Brett's gone. You yeah. got it. Let's do business. Let's yeah. do business. Let's draw more money. But yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the, and and I said this before. That is actually one of the reasons that I really like uh, Eric Bischoff, is that Bischoff talks about it a lot in his book and some of the, the, the interviews mm-hmm. I've seen. Stuff is like, you know what? Whatever happened, that's in the past. We got we have a job to do now, you yeah. know. 
Uh, but but anyway, um, uh, only the guy I had on my list uh, goes kind of with um, you know the uh, uh, some of some of the other guys talk about uh, Doctor Death Steve Williams, oh one of the God. absolute just toughest SOBs ever to step into a ring. You know, big big guy, one of those guys. He's big in Japan, you know, but he had his runs here in the U.S. Well, aren't we all big in Japan? <laughs> Keep not with Doc. your laser eyes, you know, but. Uh, I mean, I love Doc. Doc yeah. was such a fucking badass. Well, and you know he what? He was such a badass. He was, and uh, you know they brought him when he when he came back to the WWF. Well, he came to the WWF with uh, Jim with uh, Jim Ross. Yeah, that didn't really work when he got knocked out of the ass by uh, Bart Gunn. But you know that that's what happens when you promote a tough man competition on a pro wrestling show. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, instead of working, instead of making it a work, yeah, let's make it real because everything else tonight's a work, but this is real. And you tell people that. So it's like, well, well, who who thought that up? What piece of fucking shit thought that was a really good idea? What fucking <laughs> thought that was a great fucking idea? Who the fuck could have thought that the up? The same guy that came up with the Brawl for All, okay? Who could have thought that up? Who could have thought it was a great idea? Yeah. Uh, I'm wondering who the fuck that is, <laughs> that piece of fucking shit. Oh, by the way, that piece of shit just said that because we like wrestling, we're all gay. I'm just throwing it out there because fucking Vince Russo's a piece of shit. Okay? Sorry. Fucking hate him. Anyway, it's Vince Russo's fault. Um, <laughs> fuck that. Isn't a, a lot of things are Vince Russo's fault? But he's fault, such so. a fucking loser. And the worst part is, I can't remember a good thing that he came up with because he acts like he invented all this shit. He didn't. It just, you had, okay, if, if, you have Steve Austin. The Rock, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, right? I mean, and Undertaker, Undertaker, and Bret. Yeah. I mean, Bret Hart was like just on his way out. That's who your top. That's your top talent, and you're like, well, I'm successful. No shit. <laughs> I mean, the anonymous Fuck. world GM, the computer could have done a good job that's with what that I'm kind saying. of talent. <laughs> yeah. Can I have your attention, please? Like Michael Cole being there, as much as they booed that shit. That was about as that was. I mean, come on, but I I can't I can't. He's he is Joey he Styles is a, had the best line ever with the Raw GM when Edge smashed it, smashed yeah. the computer and cut himself. Yeah. Now remember that was like an iBook, right? right? It was a MacBook, and Joey Styles he goes, uh, Edge just got apple juiced. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, Oh, anyway, so but, but the, the Russo shit. I can't. I, mean, I, I'll, I can talk for two hours about how what a fucking loser he is. Anyway, so um, but yeah, I mean, if you think you know these guys, you had talent, you had a lot of talent there, and I, I don't know, man. I think I think sometimes we look back at like the, the Monday Night Wars, and everyone's like, oh my god, it was crazy. Like you know, it went from something we enjoyed, like you know, you know, we enjoyed, and all of a sudden it was everywhere. Yeah. Like wrestling was oh, yeah. huge. Like NWO shirts were a thing, like hot thing to wear. Right. You know, and like it was cool. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if I like things being cool. Like, like it was great. That don't was, get me wrong. That, I that was that was when we dug our heels into ECW because they yeah. were they were underground yeah. still. <laughs> yeah. You know the crazy part about ECW and and um not not, not to get crazy, but Luke and I, uh, we were we were in um uh. Where did it, where, was, it, was it Poughkeepsie? From where I came down the train. Uh, we, I, I, we met you there. Yeah, that was Poughkeepsie, yeah. Poughkeepsie, right? And it's just a regular fucking show. It wasn't anything special. Just a fucking house show in Poughkeepsie. 
right? WE ran that Mid Hudson Civic Center, which still is there. Yeah, on the on the small side. We're on the small side. We're on the big side. The small side. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who's judge of the Mid Hudson knows exactly what we're talking yeah. about. It's okay. And it was just a regular show. Nothing. Nothing crazy happened. There was no. Uh, you know, there was no surprise guest. There was no turn the lights out. Something came on. And I can arguably say that I've been to a bunch of ECW shows. We've been, I've been to ones in Danbury. I've been to ones in, uh, in Poughkeepsie. We went to one in Middletown where we saw, uh, Pitbull number two choke slammed off the top of a truck through two tables. That was always in the opening of the show. I'm one of the, I'm standing there. I'm watching this happen. Four or five feet away from me. That would Blue Meanie ran into you with a, with a table. Yeah, look out, dude! We gotta get out here. Yes, Blue Meanie hit the table. <laughs> and, Meanie then, and, and then primetime Brian Lee. <laughs> yeah, Meanie. I have a picture. I, I was on TV. I was wearing my Florida State sweatshirt. Uh, Brian Lee throws Pitbull number two over at my feet. I bend down to pick him up, and I go, "Oh shit!" And I take my camera out because here comes Brian Lee. Brian Lee holds him and holds his fist back, and I take a picture. The camera is shooting at us, and he see him. He picks him up, holds him. I snap the flash and then punches him. Right? It's Alante. Luke goes, "Holy shit, it's Jay!" And I'm like, "Holy shit, it's me!" Right? And I'm standing there, and and the blue meanie and and Stevie Richards are carrying a table out, and they fucking just hit me, and I turn around to punch whoever it is because that's the great part about ECW. It was fucking like a free for all. Like it was. As close to a bar fight contained in that building that I've ever been to. And I've never been in a bar fight, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it was just crazy, right? Um, and I go, what the fuck? And he goes, oh, shit. He goes, get out of the way, dude. We got to set the tables up. We're behind. <laughs> and they had to set up two tables. <laughs> and it's Meanie. But it's not Meanie now, like, where he's kind of like, oh, I'm totally cool now. You know, it's Blue Meanie back then. Where he, you know, kind of thing. And Stevie Richards before he became Big Stevie Cool. And they're setting these tables up. And you're like, why are these guys doing it? Brian... And there they go to the t- and 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 they're going up a truck. They're on a fucking Mack truck. They get to the roof of it and he chokes them to the table. And I'm just saying is, and that was crazy. Excuse me, that was TV stuff. Oh, the uh, Luke and I went to shows and the ECW show. There was nothing there. Like oh my god, like you know, we just saw a title change. We would sometimes see nothing more than what we'd seen before. But it was so amazingly good. And it was so not WCW and so not WE. And it was just, it was real. Like, it was, like, as real as it was could possibly be. Yeah. Well, you know. The only hey, thing that I was, can that, But, you know, uh, that was. It's not even the same level. Well, yeah. Was it with ROH, it's, it's, now it's just, uh, you just yeah. have to shake, ooh, you know, in ROH. Yeah, yeah. old, old, original ROH, old ROH stuff. Like, when, when, when Kelly and I went to the, to the, to the, down to the city and we saw Kenta Kabashi versus Samoa Joe. If you've never seen Kenta Kabashi and Samoa Joe from the Manhattan Center, put put aside the half hour it's going to take you to watch it and watch it. And when it's done, your chest will hurt because <laughs> Samoa Joe hits Kenta Kabashi in the chest with some of the stiffest chops I've ever seen. And then Kenta Kabashi says, you think that's stiff? Here, hold my beer. I'm going to fuck you up. And he broke all the blood vessels in Joe's chest. I, I know we're not including pure Wessa guys and whatever, but if Kenta Kabashi was ever in America, like ever spent time in America, like a, a real run here, he would have just been a monster over here, you know, because he just could do things that other guys, and he didn't, he wasn't like, like all ripped out and whatever, just was a thick 
huge guy, and you're like, fuck, this guy's going to kill. Like, he looked like somebody who showed up here. Like, he's going to murder me. Yeah, like, he, that's when he was there. Well, he, you he's know? a prototypical Puroessa guy. He, he was yeah. a thick, a big dude, but he wasn't defined in any way. Yeah, you know. But actually, one of the funny things is that uh, my my wife does not like wrestling because she doesn't like two counts. Oh my god! She's yeah. like, oh come on, oh come on! You know you're not going to pin him with that. You know, it's like so she hates two counts. So I said, why don't we watch some Pro Wrestling? I said, two counts are exceptionally rare in Pro Wrestling. Of course, and, yeah. and she goes, and I said, and you don't got to listen to the announcers because they're speaking Japanese. They're easier to ignore. And she goes, yeah, hi, hi, hi. But then she's like, yeah, but the guys aren't as cut up. <laughs> yeah. The guys aren't as pretty yeah. to look at. It's like, well, there you go. It's, you, you can't win. So some people, you just can't, you just can't reach, you know. So. <laughs> yes. So. But, uh, okay, so I wouldn't like to ask all you listeners out there, who do you think is the greatest wrestler never to hold a world title here in North America. Send your thoughts to our email address, which is getbacktotherestling at yahoo.com. We'll go over them on the next episode. I'm interested to see what the listenership thinks about this and what the Facebook group is going to come up with when we post this, because I get, you know, again, the thing about wrestling, you know, it's, it's one thing like, again, I mentioned at the top of the show, like Star Trek and Star Wars. It was at one time theoretically possible to know everything about those properties. It is impossible to know everything about wrestling because I guarantee you, even the most learned wrestling fan ever, somebody will say, well, I saw this one show. You know, Bob's yeah. wrestling down in uh, Allentown, yeah. Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. it's, you know what's funny is? I always look at it this way. Jim Cornette's one of the, the real historians of wrestling. Like, he, he out, of, out of all the guys who are still alive, he knows a lot of stuff, right? Because, again, he was there for a lot of the stuff there. And But even he'll flat out say, he goes, I don't know current stuff. I don't know, you know, about these guys. I mean, I know this guy because he was in OVW. Or I know that guy. But he doesn't know all that other stuff. So it's so if this is somebody who knows a lot of the history of wrestling, and he's not even able to have like well, I don't know that I don't know that you know what I'm saying? There's no way somebody who kind of like has a like oh I kind of like wrestling you would never know it all. No, you know, and there's no way to know think, it all about wrestling. Which is yeah, like, I think, but isn't that isn't that the nice part about it? Isn't it, it is. I, it's, it's, I, I, it's, I, it's yeah. you know that's one of the reasons why wrestling fans have their own terminology. Mm-hmm. It's it's our own way to to show off. You know. Uh, uh, our, our our friend Bob Hansen is going to get mentioned a lot. Former uh, WXW Tag Team Champion and former New Wave Pro Wrestling Heavyweight Champion Bob Hansen, uh, aka um, one half of Bob and Weave, one half uh, or uh, also Bob and uh, Neil, Bob and uh, Bob and Neil, Neil and Bob, uh, yeah. then uh, also known as Robert Moses, also known as uh, Brutal Bo- uh, Brutal Bobby Thrash. Uh, you know he he comes up a lot because he's been kind of our our uh, our um, you know our our, our third wheel here uh growing up for my brother and i talking about wrestling but um you, you know it's it's there's there's always we always say that that, that we have these way, these terminologies and stuff that we use because that way we can talk about things that other people don't understand it it's mm-hmm. the same of any type of subculture you get into any type of music scene whether it's you know heavy metal or punk rock or hardcore or whatever you've got your terminology and your phraseology that you use that is unique and that's how you identify it, you know. And so when something becomes too mainstream, like like we said, you you double down on the more hardcore stuff, and suddenly you're wearing ECW shirts and not NWO shirts because ain't nobody else got an ECW shirt, you know. That's right. <laughs> it's like you know, Bubba Dudley probably put this in a bag and sent it to me, but you know. 
<laughs> when, when, when you used to call ECW, I, and, and I, I want to get, I don't want to tangent us off here. When you'd call them, you would get, you know, people on the phone, and, and often it was Bubba or Tommy Dreamer. Tommy Dreamer. <laughs> and it was all, I mean, and the thing is, and, and it was, well, Taz didn't do that. Taz worked on logos and stuff like that. But often when you called, the number wasn't just some, it was, it was, a, it was an extra line in Paul Heyman's house or an extra line, and that's where the office was. And when you saw those videos shot, like in like, where are they? They're in Paul Heyman's basement. There's a sheet in front of the washer and dryer <laughs> in front of his Scarsdale home, you know, his parents' house. And that's what it was. And I think that's what kind of made it so cool. Yeah. Like, well, it, it like was, it, it, I mean, like yeah. it was just so like not produced and polished and, you know. I don't know. It's well, hey, you it, know it, it's hard to it's it's hard to describe. It's hard for someone to understand ECW who did not live it. If you were not there and you did not sit in the shittiest arenas ever <laughs> and <laughs> smell the guy who hasn't showered in forever and 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 you know and and you got there. I mean, think about that, dude. Me, meeting Chris Candido that time at the mall, right after we met Sonny. And we said, man, we were hoping Chris was going to be here. He's buying me earring. Just such an offhanded comment from one of the most, I mean, and again, people might not agree with me, and it's fine. I thought she was one of the most beautiful men oh I've God. ever seen. That was, she that, was, was 19, that was the summer of 1997. She was dropped. She was a stone-cold fox, man. She was she was gorgeous. I mean, she, again, I, there, there are several women I've met in, in, in my life. Again, rest, I mean, uh, Velvet Sky is amazingly gorgeous. Um, Angelina Love, you know, Mrs., uh, you know, um, uh, Davy Richards, or uh, Davy, <laughs> yeah, it, um, you know, she's gorgeous too. But Sonny was arguably one of the best, one of the best looking women I've ever met in my entire life. And I had met Beulah, and I had met Francine, and I love both of them, and they're both beautiful. But man, she was amazing. And you meet her, and we're like, oh, we're, we're huge fans. And I'm wearing a Taz shirt, which is really funny. <laughs> Because uh, Taz had just choked out had, Candido at the paper. And busted his eye open. Yeah. yeah, he busted his eye open too. And it's just so funny. Like you're there, to, and you're like, oh, well, we're kind of hoping Chris was going to be here. She goes, oh, he's buying me earrings. And the my eyes, Luke's eyes, and Bob's eyes, Bob's eyes get as big as you, like, like anime big, right? <laughs> and we're just like, we gotta find him. And the two of them take upstairs, and Christine and I go. My girlfriend at the time, Christine, are on downstairs, and she walks right past them, and all I hear is. Taz sucks. <laughs> and now I'm looking face to face with Chris Candido. Well, I'm taller than him, but yeah. like, I mean, I'm looking face to face with Chris Candido and I'm like, Oh my God, Mr. Candido, I'm a huge fan of yours. Can I have your autograph? I go, Hey, would you mind waiting? My brother is your biggest fan. He goes, all right, but I got to sit down cause I'm getting old. <laughs> and that's what he's, and we're sitting in the fucking Danbury mall on the piece of shit benches there. And I'm like, wow. He goes, Oh, did you watch the paper? I'm like, yeah, it was amazing. Like we were sitting, he goes, yeah, you know, I, I could have had Taz, but he got me in the eye. Like, he's he's kind of not working me, but playing around. And I'm like, what? It's it's one of those moments. And I know everyone's like, oh, I got this story, whatever. It just was so real. And then, like, I'm signaling to Luke and to Bob, and they run over. And it just, like, like it just was, I don't know. It was amazing to meet Sonny, but it was, uh, to me, even more amazing to meet Chris Candido. Oh, yeah. You know, and especially with the, well, we're going to have a show on, on, on uh, uh, what do you call Halloween on night? Halloween at Stanford. We'll be there, and we brought the sign. Well, remember? I said, I said, I go. I'm going to be the guy with the Candido is God sign. And and <laughs> oh, sure enough, God. I brought the Candido is God sign, and we go over there, and we're at the twin the twin rinks, which, as the name yes. implies, is an ice rink. 
Yes. And so it's got the pull-out bleachers on the side. And, and every sitting ball- in the chairs that are all chained together. Yeah. And so all, all the boys, as they finish their match, they go, they get changed or whatever. They come out and they're sitting on the bleachers watching the rest of the show. And so Chris and um, and Shane Douglas yeah. worked as Dean oh, Douglas oh, yeah. and oh, Skip. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, and so well, they, remember, but they, but, remember yeah. Shane was going to come out as Shawn Michaels, but I couldn't lose the 50 fucking pounds. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to come out as Triple H, but I couldn't have the charismaactomy that I needed in order to pull that off. But, uh, <laughs> Which is what they said. That's what they said. But after, but after they worked their match, okay, uh, Candido comes out with Tammy, and Tammy is dressed as a Dudley. Yes. So she's wearing overalls yes. and a tie-dyed shirt, and her hair is all messed up, and she's got the glasses, and she's got this gigantic bag of candy that she is snarfing on. Just snarfing down all this candy. Yeah. And so we see him, and so we go over with the sign. I hope I Candido has got to. He goes, it's the dudes from the mall! Yeah! Yeah. And <laughs> think really, about that. That, that was such the a summer. Big, he had such and, a big grin yeah. on his face, too. Yeah. Think about it. That was the summertime. Because it was the middle yeah. of the summer. We were at our house. We heard him. It was just seriously jumping in a car. And like in, in my red in, my red Impreza. And we burned out to get And Bob's racing there. And it just was, how fast can we get to the mall? Yeah. And... That's the summertime. You know how people he probably interact and he remembered. Hey, those are the guys from the mall. Like, <laughs> like there's like I mean, it, it, well, he could have been like, oh great, whatever. You know, he was like, oh yeah, that's so cool because I'm sure not a lot of guys say I'm gonna make a sign that says Candido is God, yeah. and we're just like, hey, and I probably had the same shirt on. Like I brought, I don't know if I had the same. I, I had I, my I, Raven I, shirt on. I know that yeah. so. <laughs> But, uh, all right, so I'm going to, uh, like I said, I'm going to put it out to the listenership. Uh, get Back to the Wrestling at Yahoo.com. Look us up on Facebook. Just look for Get Back to the Wrestling. We are, of course, available on the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network at TwoTrueFreaks.com. If you want to buy any DVDs or wrestling merchandise, maybe you should click on the Amazon.com link at TwoTrueFreaks.com and go check out all the great stuff there. Every time you click on that link and purchase something, it helps keep the light on, lights on here at Get Back to the Wrestling and all the other fine shows on the Two True Freaks Network. Uh, boys, I don't know what we're covering next time because that's how we roll. We swerve the audience and the boys on this show. It's, so, it's, all, it's all a work. It's, it's all a work. work. Yeah. So, it's all a work. Remember, so, uh, remember the, only, the only thing for real is the money and the miles. <laughs> so I was going to say... Money? I, I, well, was, yeah, I was I was going to say, in the immortal words of Sting, the only thing that's for sure is that nothing's for sure. <gasps> Wisdom. No, don't you walk away from me, Daniel. Don't you walk away. I'm the one that loves the fans. I'm the one that loves everyone and everything. You're the one that gets up and walks away every single time. You're the coward.